welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Um, unfortunately, I could not download the clip fast enough to play it, but <laughs> maybe we could recreate it. Next recreate week, it, Bill yeah. Siegel's going to be on. Bill oh, Steele? really? <laughs> you went real high pitched, like Bill Steagle. <laughs> you know, every once and, in a uh, while I do that, and I kind of am shocked with how high it can get. It's like right. very out of character for me. But you know, <laughs> well, yeah. Tonight uh, we're going to be talking to Bill, and apparently he said he hasn't been on since 2013. Is that, is that true? <laughs> is that accurate, Owen? That can't be accurate. No. Oh, did we wait? Goodness. Did we wait? Did we bring him on after a carpet festing? Or no, wait, I went on their show. Mm, you went and talked mm. to them. Yeah. Yeah. One of those rare moments when they actually have a show. Yeah. Oh, that is not even right, <laughs> man. You're going straight for the juggler already. I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry. Goodness. I'll back off. <laughs> uh, I got to bring Bill. I, I can't even. We can't even do an intro. We got to bring the new Bill straight on. I, I, I right can't. Now. I can't have him like you talking trash and oh, have him not be oh, able to oh, defend oh, himself. Right. All right, go go ahead. Side <laughs> with the Green Tree people. That's fine. Throw me under the bus again. <laughs> well, you know you're you're one of them collier bred dudes. You know. I mean, now you're you're a retech guy a now. Retic. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I mean, I went full retech. All right, yeah. don't even start. <laughs> oh, dude. There's oh, no money in retex, Owen. None. Stop. None at Stop. all. <laughs> it, it, there's no money. There's no money in any of this. It's like, you know, don't even how much money I, yeah. I'm looking at cages. I'm gonna pour more money into this thing. Yeah, no. Know, man. It never stops. It never stops. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, tonight <clears throat> our good friend uh Bill is from GTP Keeper Radio and uh Phoenix Reptiles is gonna come on and chat with us about what he's got going on. Um, he should be with us right now. Hey, Bill, what's up? How you doing, man? Hey. I, I didn't know you guys had brought me on. I'm dying laughing already. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> we don't warn I... our guests anymore. We just do it. So... Yeah. Later in the show. Yep. Oh, and later in the show, I will have my revenge. I understand. I, I mean, that's that. I gotta give you. I gotta give you ammo. Like reason. I, you're gonna do it. I might as well give you a reason to. So you know. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Bill, I was, I was supposed I was to. Looking... What? I was going to say, I was supposed to play a clip, and basically in the clip, it was from last week, Owen was saying something about because you're retired now, you're in a walker, what are you doing? But does he have one? Is it past I just your bedtime? You yeah, know, it's a little late. be able to stay up that late. I'm glad they play the episodes for you at the nursing home. It's great. I, you know, I don't have a walker. I've got a power chair, man. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> that's style. He's high end, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. Sickness is in a container in the little basket on the front. And you can just drive around with him. It's great. I was laughing because I listened to the last episode, and you guys were talking about uh, – Owen was talking about everybody getting their readers out, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? Not yeah, you, too. My, my life, yeah. man. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, I looked back – guys i have not been a guest on this show i think buddy and i came on one time maybe a couple of years right. ago together we did like a round table uh radio show deal but i have not been on the show since 2013 right after icast damn wow we've been slacking man yeah what the hell dude 
It's because we saw <laughs> yeah. him so much after ICAST. It's like we just didn't bring him on. <laughs> it's like, you know. Damn. I think it's because you work with Royals, Bill. I mean, I think Owen is really upset there is that, that hard you work line. with Royals. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no. he makes up I, for I, it I, with the Ruffies. I, I, I get that. I get that with the, with the Royal thing. Yeah, I mean, I can – you know, I, I can take I can take my shots. <laughs> oh, you're, you're getting, getting hurt. You're getting hurt later on, bro. <laughs> I did, sorry. He's coming. I can, he's coming it's bad for that you, I man. The gun, I see the gun being loaded, and I'm like, I'm just still talking. Yeah, so it's okay. Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, we can get it out of the way now, or we can wait till later. What, what let's, you wait till, do? let's wait till later. I mean, let's the anticipation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, Fair wait enough. wait until we don't know what's going to happen, and then, you know, just drop and the just bomb. Just go right through. I mean, just why not? <laughs> Fair enough. So how I you like been, it. man? It's been since yeah. 2013. What's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't talked to you guys since then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life is good. I, I am nursing a cold right now, so I'm, I'm kind of hopped up on cough and cold medicine. So if I say anything out of character – no judgment, okay? Okay, just blame it on the medicine. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I, I have to chug a bottle of Robitussin. All we have to just get started. <laughs> we have to start cold medicine. To do this, yeah. to do every week, we we are <clears throat> so drugged. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, things things have been really good. You guys know I retired the end of January, so I'm I'm working on really month three of like just you know enjoying this this phase of my life. It's been great. That's have awesome, you been man. enjoying like the like I mean, have you been really enjoying the retirement as far as like not having to go to work or the office and I mean, are you spending more yeah. time putzing around your snake room? Yeah, a- absolutely. I had uh, gotten really pretty burned out on my on my medical practice, mm. um, so it's really a long time coming, and now it just it feels so good to be able to like just get up and not be thinking about 10 different things and trying to do three things at the same time. Um, it's, it's been really, really nice and, and definitely been spending a lot more time with the animals. I kind of anticipated this coming. So the last couple of years, I really uh, kind of ramped up my collection. I've acquired some animals, held back a lot of animals. So I've, I've got a fairly big, uh, not I'd say a moderate sized collection of, of, of animals that I'm keeping right now. So it certainly keeps me busy. Um, and then I've just been able to do stuff that I've been wanting to do for a long time, family stuff and, you know, mini vacations and, you know, just all sorts of really stuff that's been a long time coming. You know, I, th- I think basically just resting right now, the first couple of months, I've just, you know, just been kind of catching my breath and getting my wheels back underneath me. Yeah. Nice. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's almost like now that you're doing this, would you pretty much say that this is now full time for you? I mean, and are you kind of like, I don't know, I'd almost feel like if people who kind of go full time, they kind of look at their collection in a different light. I mean, you kind of feel like that with, with you now or? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in a little bit different situation because, you know, I consider I'm, I'm doing full time. I mean, I, I'm mm. work, working a lot with the animals, but it's different because I don't really need to rely on the income from the animals, so to speak. I mean, I don't have to really look at it as a as a true business um, you know, I do it, I do it because I like it. It does bring mm-hmm. some revenue in. Um, but my decisions are based on the same things that they were based on five years ago when it was just pure hobby. You know, I, I do things, uh, just because I want to and not because I have to. 
cool. That makes sense. Right. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, somebody that's, that's, that's truly full time is somebody that has a family that will, you know, depends on them and they're having to, you know, consistently use the income from that business to, to pay bills and to pay health insurance and to raise kids and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't, I don't have to do that. So although I, I'm doing it, a lot of the, you know, a lot of my time is dedicated to it. I don't really consider myself, you know, people that are truly, you know, like Nick Mutton or some of those other people that just, mm-hmm. you know, their their family, you know, relies on that income, and so it's a little bit different. Yeah, right? I mean, uh, are you are you picking up maybe some more shows now that you got like time? You know, maybe travel yeah. a little bit further and kind of stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would typically do one show a year. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I would do. I do the NIRBC in Arlington uh, sometimes, and then I do another local show in December sometimes, and and that was it. But I've already done four shows, you know, in the wow. in the in the last four months. So, and they they've all been local. Um, we have a lot of shows here. Um, you know, I, I could vend a show in this in the North Dallas area, you know, almost every month there's a show. So I've I've been doing a few of those and um, I'm going to start to travel a little bit. I'm going to do a show in Amarillo in June, which is a, it's going to be a, you know, that's seven, eight hours from me in West Texas. So that'll really be my first jaunt out of, you know, kind of the local area where I've got to pack a bunch of stuff up, hotel rooms, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a good practice for when you can start actually vending at Tinley Park. Which I was uh, is that. now now is your <laughs> yeah. mission. I have now given you that mission, and uh, I expect to see you there. You know, good day. So <laughs> you know, you know, I'll be there, but I would never vend that show unless I can bring unless I can bring some carpets and green trees. I mean, I would I would never come up there with just just the Royals. So when that day you happens, have my permission. I'd, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just come up and hang out at your table and bug you. Yeah. <sighs> I was yeah. gonna say, like, if you do a show, sometimes it's sometimes it's more fun just to hang out and not have to worry about animals. Not have your stuff, animals. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Kenley's the perfect example. Of that. Yeah. You know? I mean, if I I don't have to get up early Saturday morning if you know we've stayed out a little bit on the late side, I can you know I can get get to that show an hour late if I if I want to, and so <laughs> you know I was, I was listening to you. I was show hour late. <laughs> yeah right I was listening to you on GTP Keeper Radio and you were talking about um, how you know sort of your mission now is to sort of get uh, you know chondros out in front of people that might not know about chondros I, you know you, you made a good point that kind of resonates with me like we're sort of preaching to the choir because you know everybody that probably listens to this show and your show already knows the right and wrongs of things but it's those people right. that you know, you see at a show that's come walking in and, uh, you know, so, so that's sort of been a focus of you, of yours to, to sort of get Condros out to those people in the shows. Right. I mean, yeah, I've, I've tried to do that and it's, it's harder than it sounds for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, it's not the right thing to do to bring high end designer animals to a local show. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. Not it's not good for me. It's not good for you know taking risk with those, you know with the, with with those animals um, when nobody's going to buy those. So sure, what I've really tried to do is try to find some entry level 
you know, green trees. Um, and I've been able to do that a little bit. I've traded some higher end uh, designer animals for groups of like pure locality type captive bred stuff. I did that with a, a friend of mine from Houston named Thomas O'Kane. He produced a really nice clutch of all red uh, baby BX. And so I okay. traded him some designer stuff and got a, a group of his. And I was able to take those animals, you know, to local shows and educate people and, and, you know, make some sales there. And, and it was, it was great. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, you've got to get, I, I have to get the right animal to be able to bring it to the show and really represent, you know, the animal and, and, and do it the right way. I don't want to, I just don't feel comfortable bringing in, you know, imported or farm bred stuff. That's just not my thing. Although I, I know it can be done right. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a slow, it's kind of a slow thing. Yeah. So, so have you added like those entry level breeding projects to your group so that you have them that you produce? Yes. I've got a pair right now that's, that's pairing. So hopefully, you know, later this year, I'll be able to do that. It's a, it's a, a, an Aru. Both of these are captive bred adults. Mm-hmm. One of the males in a Aru type and the female is just a real nice, big, uh, plain Jane green, you know, beautiful snake. And they've, they've locked up some. So if I can get babies, it'll be an all yellow clutch. If I can get babies from them, you know, I can bring them to show and put them out there for 500 bucks. And, you know, I would, would really really look forward to doing that yeah it's um it's pretty much doing what i always kind of try to do with carpets is to have um almost like tiers of prices it's like you got small like $500 and you got your thousand dollars something like that so it's like you can kind of get people in with what they want and that's kind of cool i like that so um definitely very cool yeah um Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's one of the things that Buddy and I have a little bit different opinion opinions on as far as bringing condros to uh, entry level condros to a show um, and them being, you know, what would you call an impulse buy, right? Like somebody mm-hmm. comes to the show, they have no concept of of buying a green tree python, but they see them and they think they look really awesome. Um, you know, if I can get them and, and I will usually bring housing also, you know, like um, okay. a, a tub setup that, that is, you know, just perfect for a green tree with the purchase, removable perches and a heat source and all that. And I feel confident, especially at a local show, I'll sell somebody a five or $600 entry level green tree, um, you know, after talking to them for a little bit and making sure they've got just, you know, some experience. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't sell it as their first reptile. Um, right. If you know how to, you know, if you had a, if you know how to kind of mon- monitor heat and you know you know how to feed the animal and a few little husbandry things, I I think they can be kind of a an impulse buy as long as you have the right you know the right customer and the right customer service behind it and the right animal. Right. Yeah. And, and baby conjures are already going to be at shows that are either going to be imports or something like that. So it's like I'd much rather if I'm going to take a chance on a condor, it'd probably be from somebody like you that has taken these babies and had spent time with them and made sure that they are ready to bring to a show because it's like, you're looking at them and all you do is condros and you know, other stuff, but it's like, yeah. I would trust your opinion better than everybody else. The other guys are going to be like, Hey, it's good enough. Let it get out of here. You know, you've actually done stuff to make sure it is. So, 
Yeah, and, you know, establishing a baby chondro, it's so different than, like, you know, uh, one of the Royals three meals in and, you know, it's good to go. Um, yeah, no, you. Yeah. <laughs> a, a baby carpet, maybe five, right? Right, um, right. You know, baby chondro, I'm I'm talking 20 minimum, you know, 20 meals in them. And that, that means they're, you're not having to tease feed it. That means you just, you know, stick the pink on a, on the tongs and put it up there to it and it, and it takes it. So, you know, it's, that's 20, that's 20 meals minimum before I even consider them established and ready to go. And is that like, do you do like 20 back to back feedings? Like, like, Meaning if it skips a meal in between, do you reset the clock and then go from 20 from that one? Not or if it skips it one. Okay. No, not, you know, not if it skips one, but it has to be okay. eating real. You know, obviously, sometimes, especially the yellow ones, they're in shed and, you know, you don't even know it. And they'll, they won't eat or they'll <laughs> Right. It's so annoying. It's like albino <laughs> carpets. What's wrong with you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But, but so, yeah, you know, 20, 20 what do you uh, this is a good number. What do you find is the number one misconception that people have or, you know, uh, you know, when somebody approaches you at the shows, like what has been the, the, either the question, what keeps people from wanting to get them or, you know, or they're afraid of well, them or. It's without a doubt. It's the fact when I pull one out and I'm holding it, they go, why mm-hmm. isn't that thing biting the fuck out of you? <laughs> <laughs> why isn't that right. thing attacking that that is by far and away the number one misconception. Wow. So they just think they're like like baby carpets or something like where they're just you know or baby royals or just, they just look at the, the head. Out, yeah. You know, or yeah, everybody or, always sees the teeth. Like everybody always gets pictures of green tree and emerald teeth. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or or you know even the imported biak locality type you know a mm-hmm. large percent of those are going to try to just bite the crap out of you every time you come close to the door i mean that's just they're they're de- very defensive you know they've been plucked out of the wild and they're defensive right. animals um yeah but captive bred stuff is different and i think you know we've had this discussion before and i know i've had it with matt minotola the farther along these blood pythons, green tree pythons, the more and more generations that are bred in captivity, I think the more docile and calm they become. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I remember Owen will relate to this. He's saying about how his Owen relates are to pretty nothing. chill. But no, I no, remember, they're not. I, I, changed, no, I, I remember, changed my mind. <laughs> I remember, not. well, I told you, I told you that pides were like notorious oh, my for being God, no, well, no, first off, aggressive. They're, they're 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 they they they're they're pissers and they bite. It basically it is a pissed off baby carpet python in a three year old carpet python <laughs> body, and I don't know what to do yeah. with it right now. It's just yeah. yeah. But dude, they're big when my babies. dad had retics back in the in the eighties. Oh my god, yeah. man, they were like they they straight up kill you. <laughs> oh my god, they were evil. You know, yep. I remember uh, when I I got a I I picked up a retic. And my dad's like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I mean, this is when I was first getting back into snakes, you know. I was like, I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, yes, I got a retic. Oh, my God, this is awesome. And he's like, you are fucking crazy, man. Like, you're just nuts. And Can like, we talk about how it wasn't insane for your father to have monsters in the 80s, but he's thinking you're That's insane for buying man. a baby. <laughs> Everything's off the table in the 80s, bro. <laughs> 
absolutely right, Bill? different time. I don't know. I missed most of the eighties and Correct. was only born in about like yeah, I only probably had a couple that, years left. Yeah. That explains a lot about you, Alan. It does. That, that I right know. there. <laughs> <laughs> it <totally> does. Uh, <laughs> All right. So here's anyway. a question. I was thinking, like, so, you know, most of us, when we travel for reptile shows and everything, you know, we're somewhat, um, you know, making sure that, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think of, like, Owen's setup and my setup and Matt's setup and how, like, you know, we're just, like, real particular about how the animals are and that they have eat and all that. And we're dealing with animals that are pretty bulletproof. What about <laughs> transporting baby chondros? Especially if you're going to do shows that are farther away. Like, do you have any thing in your head of how you're going to do that? Or do you think it's not that big of a deal? Well, I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I have not put a lot of thought about doing the, you know, the, the, the far distance traveling. But I know when I take them to local shows, um, and, I, you know, I take them up there and I, I leave them up there overnight, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday night or whatever, um, I don't provide extra heat. You know, those things are really, they tolerate cool temperatures better than royals and carpets do. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I keep them yeah. at, at slightly lower temperatures and, you know, they're, they're fine at 75, you know, right. 75 degrees. So I haven't done anything different. I know when Buddy travels, he, he does bring a little like heater bait or thing that he, he will put them in uh, overnight, the babies, but um, I haven't done that. And I, I haven't really had any untold effects by, by not providing them extra heat. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, sometimes I think they get the, you know, like they're so fragile and I guess because they're so small and you know, you hear a lot of times about, you know, uh, well, I know you hold all your chondros all the time, right? I mean, you're not, well, you're not, not afraid of them. Not, not- <laughs> No, I mean, um, not the babies. I, I, I typically will not hold the babies until I tell people a year. Sometimes I'll fudge that down a little bit to, depending, mm-hmm. you know, on how the baby acts. But, uh, you know, my general rule is just to not mess with the babies till they're a year old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so are you – said are that, you... Go ahead, Bill. Well, I was just going to say, you know, even like the display, um, the display cases that I have – um, they all have removable perches in them, so nice. I can just, in, you know, I say perch. It's really it's a it's a infant coat hanger, right? That's been cut. Um, right. That's their perch, and I can take that perch in and out of the display, the arboreal display cage. And if somebody wants to look at it, take it out of it. Um, you know, you take it out, and they just sit there. They just sit on their perch like a like a chondro, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is the that is the beauty of chondros, isn't it? I mean, it just sort of like it doesn't move. Sit there yeah. on the perch. <laughs> you know, they're they're they are the easiest. They're the easiest of all the animals that I take care of, like the husbandry. As far as like, you know, you just reach in there and you pull out the paper towel or the puppy pad or whatever substrate you have, and they, you know, you don't have to get the animal out of the cage. You don't have to worry about it striking you. It just puts its head down and basically ignores you yeah right. i mean bills i think when we know this for a fact because we went down to bills and a ball and a ball python tried to murder you <laughs> and Very then true, i man. got 
Yeah, and then I got crapped on by a Carpondro. So we both know that this is indeed a fact that out of Bill's collection, they are the easiest. So, yeah, yeah, nobody got bit by a, nobody get bit by a green tree, right? Yeah, uh-huh. no, no, it was the, the ball python that nearly gel- killed him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Eric's small; he needs all his blood. Um, but it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I'm telling you. He's, he's stacking I, a I'm in a feisty mood. <laughs> anyway, so he is in a feisty mood. I don't know. That retic shit, man. Wrong with the retic got blood. him all screwed up, man. Oh, God, <laughs> help me. Anyway, um, <laughs> Billy, you constantly kind of telling, coaching people. Like, I, I imagine one of the first things is what you're probably having to repeat yourself for at a show is proper setup and husbandry for anybody who's purchasing a chondro. I mean, do you have a set kind of spiel that you kind of tell them what to do with the baby green tree when they get home? Well, I mean, the first thing I do is I refer them to that husbandry guide that's uh, mm. pinned on the MVF, the one that uh, Matt Morris, um, oh, and who who did he, he and somebody else combined uh, several years ago. Yes, David Newman. Yeah. And they put together a really nice husbandry guide. And so I'll, first thing I'll do is kind of refer them to that. Um, but if I supply the, the tub for them, it's it's really so easy. I mean, um, you know, they need fresh water. And depending on, you know, where they are, um, you know, and of course, you know, spraying the animal, spraying the enclosure or wetting the substrate, that we could have an entire show dedicated to that. But we'll discuss humidity some and we'll discuss temperature uh, and we'll discuss feeding and we'll discuss, you know, don't mess with it for the next six months. And basically if, if I do that and, and they have my contact info, very few problems. And, I, and I've never had to take an animal back and like reestablish it. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be my next thing. Have you ever had any, uh, boomerangs? I know there's several contributors out who will take an animal back if it's having issues to reestablish Absolutely. it and then send Absolutely. it back. So, yeah. I told this story, I can't remember which, uh, on, a, on a different podcast, but Eric, do you remember that the very first clutch that I ever produced at Green Trees were, was an Aru locality type? And, and yeah, you had gotten one, Eric, and I, it was a yep. pretty small clutch, maybe eight animals or something. And I sent one to, to this guy that was like in Oklahoma. So he wasn't real local, but he wasn't real far away. And um, about a year later, he sent me a picture of the animal in the tub that I provided with him and said, is it, is it time to move the, you know, this up to a different larger size tub? Mm. And it was, and the animal looked great, but I noticed in the picture, he didn't have a water dish in it. And oh. so I, so I said, um, yeah, you need to move them up. Where's the water dish? And he goes, Oh, I, I've never given it water. I, I've just sprayed a couple times a week. I swear, because <laughs> oh, I thought they just drank oh. off their coils. Wow. heard coming up until I met with green tree python people, and they're like, it needs water. Please give it water. Like, I mean, I, 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 I have to do it, but. Here's, here's the crazy thing about that. So I got mm. one, and the one mm. that I had was doing great. And. Mm. All of a sudden, it just prolapsed and died. And mm. I gave it water, you know, all the time. So, like, maybe I should have just sprayed it, you know, because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That that kind of, like, 
I kind of thought when I got that animal, I was like, okay, I think I'm good with these. Like, I think I'm pretty good. Like, I think I'm. You you did it. You jinxed yourself. Yeah. I I know. I think I'm good enough to be able to keep these. Right. Because everybody that I talked to told me that, you know, keeping them is not really that hard. It's just until you start to breed them, which I always thought just correlated with them being stressed. And then, you know, you'll get a whole bunch of issues that would come along with that. You know, but I don't know. I, 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 they, it, they've sort of scared me from them. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, I've had yeah. no luck with green Dude, trees. I tapped out. I had one. Le- I had I had four green trees, and then I miraculously went down to one green tree. And I'm like, buddy, take it back. I'm tapping out, and I traded it back for rhino rat snakes. And I'm like, I'm happy. And then he's like, it's breeding like crazy. I'm like, good for it. It's with <laughs> who knows what to do. It's like you know. <laughs> Thank God I, I mean, it got away from me. So, I mean, there's no, there's no telling. You know, it, it, I think each case is different. If I had mm-hmm. to just guess out there, you know, I would say the majority of people keep them too warm, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, at an increased chronic elevated temperature, I think it causes them to get dehydrated. You know, that can lead to prolapse. Of course, that's all just speculation, man. I have no idea. Now. You could you could be onto something, Bill, because yeah. I did I did not keep them on heat, but I did keep them at the top of my rack. So maybe it was hotter up there. I I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it was a hotter point in the room. Um, yep. I I, don't, I keep my I keep my hatchlings right next to my royals, right next to my baby carpets, but it's always on the lower the lower racks. Um, right. Which, you know, you can get a you can get I swear you can get an eight or ten degree temperature difference between a baby in a hatchling rack, if it's 12 or 15 tubs high, you know, you can get a huge temperature difference between the bottom rack and the top one. At least I do. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Sure. It's, it's, it's disgusting sometimes. I mean, that's why when I have hatchlings, I put all my baby bread lie on the bottom because yeah. they, they don't care. It doesn't – I have to drop rocks on them to kill them. So, <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, I, eventually I will, I will try them again. I will, I will give them a go again because I mean, they are beautiful snakes, you know, I mean, you can't love them or hate them or whatever, you know, but you know, because of maybe misconceptions that people have about them, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, it's hard yeah, to be, just, even uh, if, even if it's just a green snake, it's still freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, they're, they're unique. They're just yeah. unique. You know, they, they yeah. do things that other snakes don't do. The, the color change, you know, that they yeah. go through. The, I mean, if, you have, if you've ever seen one caudal laurel in person, you know, with their it's tail. Cool. They, yeah. They it's so cool. Food. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know other snakes that do that, and it's, it's, it's and really it's pretty trap. cool. You know, it, they'll be caudal it luring in its head just looking at the tail, and you're like, if I poke that, <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, I know, it's. I think I think another thing that's you know, and I never really put two and two together until Ian kind of talked to me about this when we were at Southern Carpet Southeast Carpet Fest, Mm -hmm. and I was talking to him about the whole idea of, you know, why don't you see that many locality pairings, and like because I kind of wanted to have like locality type pairings, right? And you know, he said that you know what it is, Eric, is it's just so hard to find, you know, a pair of any particular locality. And then if you do like you're waiting for a male or a female from whatever, you know, say it's an Aru or whatever, 
you know, are you going to just hold her till you find a Nauru, which who knows when it could be, you know? And sure. I don't know. I just never thought of it that way. And I'm like, oh, okay. That, that makes sense. I just thought that everybody was like anti locality, which wasn't the case at all. Well, maybe so. I, I, no, I don't know. I think people get distracted by designer stuff. Like, I don't know, the sickness. Let's talk about <laughs> the sickness. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that's part of it. But I also think so many of the locality types mm-hmm. make incredible designer animals. Um, yeah. And so it's just really hard to justify I mean, just at least for me, I mean, you guys know me. I'm kind of a Frankenstein anyway, right? Like, oh, sure. Lord. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, it's to pretty, my pretty constant easy. fear that you'll make a battle chondro. <laughs> it keeps me up at night. So, <laughs> my, constant my friend, fear. Never have to worry about. Never have to worry about that. I, I promise you that. To be the um, ultimate, but, I'd you know, have to piss you off so bad and be the ultimate f you to <laughs> Owen. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> There, there will be no rough scale chondros. I, I assure oh, you. Oh, thank that. God. <laughs> but you know, it's the the designer stuff is just so it, it appeals to me because you never know what you're going to get with the locality. Mm-hmm. You know, great Aru to Aru, Biak to Biak, um, any of the locality types. For the most part, you know kind of what you're going to get. It, it's kind of, it's a lot like you know breeding royals and carpets. Um, you know, you're looking to, to – you just always know the possibilities for the most part. And it's not like right. that when you start mixing the designer green trees together. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think that's from? What do you think is causing such dramatic phenotypes in these animals? Do you think it is like, you know, hybrid, what would you call it, like hybridization? Do you think it's, uh, you know, just these colors clashing together? What What – What's the consensus on, or is it just you know, luck? Like, <laughs> just yeah, like uh, everything's all mixed in, and you'll still get a green snake. It's like, yeah, I got it. Right. I mean, I I wish I knew. You know, it's uh, I I don't have an answer to the question. It's just poly. It's just polygenics at its, you know, at its greatest. And the majority of the time, like Owen said, you're going to end up with a mostly green snake. And yeah. when I produce when I produce the sickness. You know, all of the siblings were green snakes with varying degrees of like melanism, like the old school phase, like mite phase, right? Where you got a green snake with some black speckles. But, you know, this one snake popped out, you know, the sickness, which, Mm. you know, was so so unique. And and then I I duplicated that pairing uh, last year. And sure enough, another one popped out. That was oh. very, very similar to the sickness at that stage of its development, and I think it's, I think it's going to look like them. Has it so. done any kind of color change at all? Um, yeah, it's gotten real. It's gotten darker. Oh and, wow! <laughs> so, that's, I want to know. I, that's the one that I that I've named the plague. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I love that. That's uh, that's this. I love that. <laughs> um, and have you? And has sickness started breeding? Sickness is produced. Yes, sir. Shit. Sickness sire <laughs> It's uh, it's been about ten days in the incubator now. There's seventeen eggs in there, 
and he um, he bred that blue cyclops female of mine. Oh, so, so are you? Just, so we, I mean, you're 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 pretty much retired now. Do you just have a lawn chair set up in front of your incubator and you just stare at them all day? <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do. It's just I'm, I'm watching them. You know. You know. When I produced the sickness, I was like, "All right, this is it. This is the pinnacle of what I ever thought that I could that would come out of a of a green tree breeding project." But when the mm. sickness then sired successfully sired this clutch, now I'm like, "All right, this is like the pinnacle of any kind of breeding project I could do. Well, you know, what do I do next?" So just, I just go in there every day and just like creep in the creep in and just like kind of have my eyes squinted. I don't want to look too hard. <laughs> <laughs> don't make direct eye anything. contact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look away. I'm very, I'm very superstitious about chondros. I'm not superstitious about anything else in my life, but I'm like superstitious <laughs> about chondros. I, I always, you know, think the worst is going to happen. Mm. Um, I always just, you know, uh, I, I don't ever, you know, I get, all the time. How much are you going to sell those babies for? You know, I don't even think about anything like that. I just, mm. I say a little prayer to Rico and I just go, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And let's, let's try to make it one more day. Well, right. I imagine you said, you said how many eggs are in the incubator from sickness? 17? Seven, 17. 17. I imagine you're going to go full Burke on those and you're just going to keep <laughs> them all right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Every single one of those will be held on to until they start their color change, which is right. very unusual. I have always released the vast majority of the animals that I've produced, um, you know, once they're established and, and ready. And that is that's burned me. It, it burned mm. me uh, on a clutch that I produced not last year, but the year before uh, I ended up holding back six or seven animals. And the ones that I released turned out to be, you know, the, the stars of, of the clutch so far, so. But, Damn it. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's such a there's such a unique species in a couple of reasons, right? Especially when you're talking about the reptile hobby, you you can't see them currently. <laughs> you know, no, maybe like, maybe say, in a couple say, of years when they do that shed thing, you know. Oh um, yeah, I mean. That'd be that awesome. that might that'll change the game, but like you mm-hmm. can't sex them. You don't know what they're going to turn out like, you know. So you're taking a gamble mm-hmm. if you sell any of them at all because that one yep. could be the sickness. Um, yep. You know, and like you you would ne- like like you would never sell royal python and say like nope don't know what the sex is I don't know what kind of morph <laughs> it is good they luck could bro. Turn into whatever <laughs> and nobody's gonna throw like it just take my money you know they're not gonna yeah. throw it at you and but with chondros they will you know also it's, it's uh, like could you could you imagine if I sold a carpet python telling you that in a year or so it's gonna turn yellow and then it doesn't I mean yeah you you did that to me. <laughs> Yeah. You, it's uh. different. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest here, but it's like it, it. Like I can sit there and I can show you these two great parents, and then if you take it and it doesn't turn out to be anything like that, you're gonna come asking questions. Where green tree people sometimes just be like, "Oh well, this one turned green. 
shoot. Yeah, it's yeah. like they're not going like you sold me a baby from not those parents. It's like nobody ever. I never hear that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I think there is a you know most people, and if they don't know, I certainly tell them uh, there. Of course, there's no guarantee what this animal is going to look like. But even in the worst case scenario, if it turns out to, to be a pretty green animal, you know, you still got great lineage in the animal, and mm-hmm. you know, there there is still, a, you know, I think there's a really really good chance of a green animal that has high, let's say, blue lineage, producing blue babies. I mean, I think that is a, you know, I mean, I think that's been proven over and over again. And I've got, I've got an example um, of a of a green female that came from a, a legendary blue line animal called Blue Deuce. That I think Tim Morris okay. either produced or or had for a long time. And this this snake was green as could be, um, but I bred it to another animal that had some blue lineage, and I've kept a couple of the babies and. Uh, they're they're stunning. They're not green. So oh, right. So I think there's you know I think you have that in there as well. Bill, so how the, many how many really cool chondros are you sitting on that you're not showing people? Because uh, you know first we get the plague. <laughs> now that's why the Southern Carpet Fest has been I mean, canceled. They don't see what is going on here. I mean. My you're God, look- sir! <laughs> you're just not looking at the right places, man. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you got to follow me on Instagram or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I share everything that I have here, including I don't the know. Maybe, I, maybe listen to GTP I, Keeper Radio once in a while. You know? Oh, well, I hell, mean, man. whoa now. <laughs> oh, we, only, we, only, we only do it. We only do it once in a while. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, come well, on, you man. Know, every, it's every, you know, lunar eclipse, there's an episode. I mean, that's... Do it when you're doing your taxes every quarter. Come on, man. <laughs> no, no, a little more than that. <laughs> I'd just be mad listening to GCP Keeper Radio. There I do my taxes, yeah. So. God. Uh, All right. But that's cool. So, I mean, do you have any other... Bill, I mean, you focus mostly... You know, it seems like, you know, blue chondro projects. Do you have, like, anything as far as high yellow or any other projects on the back burner that you're working with? Yeah, I've got a, um, I've got a kind of a cool story to tell you about a clutch that is due to hatch in six days. And okay. this was, okay. this was a, a 12-egg clutch, and it was sired by – my animal called Jaeger that Marshall Mendez produced, and he's he's the sire to the sickness. Okay, so okay. he's you know he, he's a he was a red neonate. He's mostly green, but he's got some melanism in him and some yellow. He's a very nice looking snake, and I produced I bred him to a high yellow um, female that Matt Morris produced, and um, she was a yellow neonate, and she she dropped thirteen eggs. One's gone bad, so I've got twelve that are due to hatch in six days. I think it's going to be a really neat clutch. But about three weeks ago, um, a company, an Australian film company called Wild Bear Entertainment contacted me because they had been commissioned by National Geographics to produce a one-hour program looking at uh, pythons around the world. And one of the scenes that they wanted to capture was baby green trees hatching and emerging from the egg and crawling up onto their perch. 
And so evidently they have not been able to find this in the wild, which doesn't surprise me. Are you going to find that? Yeah. So they are going to send a National Geographic photographer down next week from Washington, D.C., and he is going to set up a uh, naturalistic stage here, and he's going to film the <laughs> Baby green tree. Is that cool? That's, That's so freaking cool. awesome. <laughs> so wow. Cool. You know, now yeah. the stock footage of your baby green trees hatching from Python eggs is going to be used in every single, like, Natural Geographic snake thing from now till the end of time. It's like, wow, that's bad man. Bill hatchings. Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait to see what he does. I talked to him on the phone a couple of days ago, and, um, you know, he's. He's going to just basically set up a stage and, um, you know, he goes, like, is there a Home Depot close to you? I go, yeah, there's a Home Depot. And he goes, all right, I can get everything I need there, you know, plants and sauce. And, and I'm like, what, wow. you don't want to film them coming out of a plastic tub and perching on coat hangers? You know? Yeah, what's up with that? Not, not good enough for no. you, huh? No, you know, no. Attenborough's oh, voice. Oh, that's so cool, like, man. They climb on coat hangers in the wild it's like yeah it's good <laughs> you know perfect as the baby so I think green that's, tree that's, that's emerges emerging emerges yes. finds yes. find its coat hanger and then lives yes. there it's like yay it <laughs> struggles to climb up the branch <laughs> struggles <laughs> just, the just is going to be great that's just yeah. a pink head right off the tongs yeah <laughs> the wild, the wild <laughs> tong plant yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Like I'm, man. I'm to, uh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So I'm, I'm trying to like get the logistics from this guy. I'm saying, listen, you know, the, like when this thing pips, it could take like three days for it to come out of the egg, right? And one of them might pip one day, and a couple days later, some other is going to pip, and he goes, goes oh, I don't care. I'll stay there the whole time." <laughs> you know? Oh wow! This, this guy's like just, uh, laying in some termite mound in Africa. You know, so it's just so much better. Yeah, <laughs> so much better. I got a TV in there and everything. I'm um, at yeah, Casa Steagle House. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> the Steagle yeah. compound. No. Yeah, you've been there. You've been there. You know. Hell. Yeah, yeah. Get, get yeah. Up at night. What, 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 do? what the heck, man? Passed me no, that here is... when I uh, watched this uh, snake come out of the egg. That's that's living the yeah. dream, man. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, are they going to wait? Are you going to wait until they start? Like, is one going to pip, and that's when you're going to settle this up and just kind of wait? I mean, okay. yeah, we we got a few of the logistics to work out, but basically, I'll wait till one pips, and then I'll, I'll give them 24 hours um, for others to to pip on their own. But I told them after 24 hours, I'll I'll make little slits in the egg. But I still think I could even do that and just kind of rotate the egg so you can't see the slit and. It still, you know, would come out of the egg and it looked somewhat naturalistic. You know, you're not going to have a, a, a mother green tree coiled on them, you know. Right, so, right. You know, that's, but, but that's it is awesome, what it man. is. And, yeah, I think I think it'll be cool. Yeah, they'll be at it. That, they'll, that will they'll be cool. Edit. They'll be able to edit that around, and next thing you know, it'll look like, uh, you know, Papua New Guinea somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Put some background noises in, and uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to go. Yeah. You'll just um, walk around with that mud mask that Ari made you, and then you can be yeah. in it too. <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm helping. 
Yeah. Oh no, an indigenous yeah. person has found the green trees. Like yeah, it's just it's done. <laughs> Make a couple clicks, you'll be good to go. Um, <laughs> and we need to move on quickly because it's just yeah. getting offhand. <laughs> yes. Well, we did have a question from Ryan real quick. He was asking if you work with any um, Kofiao Island uh, projects or like Biak Kofiao crosses or anything like that. I do not have anything in that. I I obtained uh, on a trade a baby that's 75% Kofiao from Drew Russell, Um, but he's he's a yearling, still hasn't even started to change, but that's the only Kofiao blood I haven't in any of my collection, I do have a really cool um, Biak Maruki cross that did. That mm-hmm. was one of the generations from Bushmaster that's five years old, and that thing looks coffee out. I mean, it is bright yellow. But um, but wow. but no, I, I know very few people that work or, or have those animals. I know Forrest does and Chuck Vogel, um, but they seem to be a pretty pretty rare locality type. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> I was talking to uh, to Chuck about it, and at Southeast Carpet Fest, and um, you know, asking him how it was going and all, and he said everything was going good and whatnot. And I was telling, I hope he checked it out, but uh, he, I was telling him about that he was saying about how you couldn't find any chondros on Kofiao, and I was like, yeah, that's sort of what um, uh, Daniel Natush was saying. And he yeah, said he couldn't yeah. find them, but when um, Dan Mullery went, he found them. You know, from DM Exotics, he found them sitting on a twig. Yeah, yeah, I um, saw that. I saw that video, but I'd, I'd forgotten that was from that was that was on Coffee Owl that he found that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it was, of course, green. It was, of course, all. It was green. green yeah, <laughs> it's green. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he pilled one of those Nat Geo uh, moves or something. Yeah, like I that. mean, how do we – now, now we don't know anything anymore. <laughs> Maybe it was in his yard and we don't even know. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he falls uh, on the ground. Oh, my God, look. It's like getting no, <laughs> That's funny. So, so, I mean, you know, I remember listening to you at the beginning of GT Keeper Radio and you saying about how, you know um, – I guess your lack of experience, I guess, with the, with chondros and, and now you seem to be, you know, you seem to have found your groove uh, and you're, you're producing them every year. What do you, what do you, what do you contribute your success to? What do you think is, you know, made you uh, be successful with the species? Yeah, that's, um, you know, as you alluded to, that's the whole reason that Buddy even asked me to be a co-host of GTP. GTP Keeper Radio because he wanted to bring somebody on who didn't have very much experience because he thought that I would be able to, you know, ask the guests questions that were so not beneath him, but he wouldn't even think of because he'd been doing it for so long. And so that's sure. kind of how I got got involved. And, um, you know, and, and I think to answer your question, it's just, you know, talking to people, um, you know, as many different people as you can bounce as many different ideas and try to try to get down to a few people and you, you know, not try to do everything everybody's way, but try to just hone it down to a few people. Um, the best thing is to find people in your area, you know, that, mm-hmm. that are working the same, you know, geographic and temperature and seasonal um, zones that you are. Marshall right. Mendez was one of, 
one of my big mentors, and I, I asked Marshall to really help me a lot because he kept royals and green trees, you know, in the same room and was successful with both of them, and that's what I wanted to do. And so he, you know, he really helped me um, kind of tune in, you know, the basics. And the basics are, are feeding, temperature, and humidity regulation. And, you know, once you get comfortable keeping them, then you can kind of move to the next next step, which is reproducing them. And, and to be completely honest, I think there's a lot of luck um, in, in reproducing chondros. I think there are mm-hmm. certain animals that are, that are destined to be paired, and there are certain other animals that you know, are destined to not be paired. And I think you just have to have, you know, just really, to be honest, a little bit of luck with, you know, with the animals that you acquire or that you um, get as babies and, and that they grow up and they're just good breeders or they're not, or you just can't find the right mate for them. I, I have a, the very first green tree I got is a, a beautiful female. And I bred her when she was four years old and she slugged out. And she mm-hmm. never locked up with another animal ever again. And I mm. rotated half half a dozen different males through, and she just wants nothing to do with it. And so yeah. if that was if that was my only female, I'd say, you know, screw this. These, these these things are impossible to breed. But I think it's kind of a numbers game. I think is you know you just get more animals in your collection, and you're able to cycle different males with different females, and then right. just have some. That's luck. Yeah. Do you, you find that? Pairs. Do you find that because you've worked with the Royals that, you know, they seem to be uh, anti-season. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you follow that same thing, but you can breed them pretty much all year long, and you're sort of just watching the female. And it seems that yeah. chondros are sort of the same way. Whereas, like, I think for me or Owen, we would probably be like, wait a minute, this is broken. It's August. Why would I be pairing this up? Why is it ovulating? (laughs) Or we might even just miss it. You know what I mean? I've said that forever about like some of these, you know, harder to breed species like scrubs and stuff like that. Like maybe you guys are just missing it because you're so locked into, you know, I have to drop the temperatures in October and I have to keep it cool yep. till January and I have to warm it up in February. And, you know, like maybe you're uh, not in their cycle. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a excellent point. And that's basically exactly what I do. Um, mm. Now I won't, I won't pair in the heat of the summer here in Texas. Mm. I won't, I won't pair in June, July and August, but other than that, every month is an opportunity and I will just continue to put male in with female they don't pair, you know, rest them, feed them. But, you know, a month later, male in with female. And, you know, I get locks at times of the year that I'm not expecting it. And, you know, this blue cyclops girl that laid for me, like my royals and my carpets, you know, once they get on their cycle, I can pretty much, you know, they're going to lay like within a week of what they laid last year or the year before that or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Trees aren't like that. You know, these green trees, it's the blue cyclops, when she had her her second clutch um, when she laid from the sickness, it was 18 months after her, her, her very yeah. first, the first time she laid. So 18 months, mm. you know? Wow. That's Damn. crazy. A real weird, just a real weird, you know, timing. So yeah, I'm pretty much, I'd pretty much do that. So, I mean, I just keep introducing them, just keep introducing them. Do you, yeah. uh, you know, once the female is, 
you know, once she's say ovulated, or do you cease feeding at that point? Yeah, once she's ovulated, she they're not going to eat. I mean, it's really, really super rare. They, I, I've never experienced one. You know, once they ovulate, they're they're done. So it's eat. like similar to carpets, then they kind of just yeah, turn oh, off yeah. and okay, yeah. all right, yeah, and, and and royals too, and that's a big, you know. That's why I know, Eric, you're a big proponent of um, food cycling. And mm-hmm. I will do that a, a little bit, but I will always offer them food because, first of all, if a green tree female refuses food and she's normally a, an aggressive feeder, that, that's a big tip right there that something is good may happen. So right. I'm, I'll, I may decrease the size or the frequency, but I'm always offering them food. What about once she lays the clutch? Like, what do you? What's your feeding regimen to get her back up to, you know? Yeah, uh, slow. Real slow. slow. Like okay. First, yeah, first meal, you know, a small meal, spaced out. Um, you know, their body's still recovering. I think all their systems are recovering, including their digestive tract. So, yeah, small meal, and once they take that, and then you know, over a period of the next month or two, then I'll, I'll increase, you know, kind of get them back to their, their normal feeding. Um, but yeah, it's gotcha. nice to see that female, female eat again after she's, after she's laid because so many things can go wrong um, with green trees, it seems like. And that's the one thing that we really, I think the husbandry aspect of, of taking care of green trees, we've got honed in pretty good, but the mm-hmm. reproductive part, you know, I think we, we still have, a ton to learn. Got yeah. 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 They seem to, you know, what's triggering them to go. And is it the weather? Is it the, you know, light cycles? Is it, who knows? Yeah. Maybe a mix of everything above food cycling, yeah. uh, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I mean, I, I really, I really don't know. I just kind of use a little bit of everything, you know, increased humidity maybe that works if it's raining out i'll open up my snake room door and you know pair them up if it if it's a temperature drops you know suddenly 10 or 20 degrees well maybe that's a good time to pair but Mm. i i I mean i can't i don't know about as far as um because we didn't make it as far up as like the cape york or whatever but we were we're kind of up there but when we were in that you know, in the in the habitat of the scrubs, which is what I would think would be what the chondros, the humidity was insane. It was so humid. Oh my god! So I yeah. I would imagine that it somehow has to affect them. Like I I never thought about this, but today it was in my so today we had temperatures here. Uh, what was it like? Close to eighty, maybe. Yeah, it was eighty inside my house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. eighty degrees here. And what I never know, I never noticed this. I don't know why, but I went into my snake room and typically during the winter, I'll put on a humidifier from time to time. But when I went in there today, I was like, oh my God, it's so humid in this room. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's like those things that are happening that maybe we're not necessarily picking up on, you know, it's, it's sort of like, I don't drop temperatures, but your room drops, you know, up and down regardless of whether you're manipulating it or not. Um, right. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, or even if you're, even if your room's not dropping, the outside temperature is dropping. 
right? Correct. And they, yeah, Barometric they can probably pressure. sense that. Yeah, pressure yeah. And yeah. They yeah. can sense that. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. I think we talked about it a few times on the show. It's like there are many different triggers that you can use to get your snakes to breed. And some snakes need one trigger. Some snakes need three triggers. Some harder species need eight triggers the time of year. It's just knowing what you got to do. And once you start getting it in, I mean, Bill seems to be doing it, hitting every trigger and seeing who, which pair feels like this is a good trigger for me this time, you know, and that's, Sometimes it's what you got to do. So you know, here's the other thing. Not for nothing, but it seems that the chondro keeper, right? I'm just talking in general out generalities now. Seems to be more focused on sometimes. I think sometimes too much to where they're mm-hmm. like so focused on what that animal is doing, and you know, oh, it moved a little to the right today. Oh no, something might be wrong. You know, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I mean, like... there's special <laughs> mystical dragons that sit on trees. It's like you know, it no. But you know what it's... I'm saying. But it just seems like they're more in tune than a lot of Somewhat... other people. You know, not that, I'm not trying much. to. I'm not trying to knock like royal python breeders. Well, maybe that's a bad example yeah, because well, they're well, producing yeah. them like crazy. <laughs> yeah. We'll do retech breeders. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, if you look at some other. Other species of of snakes, they don't seem to be as as as. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you know, do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, it's they're more in tuned on what the snake is doing. Student of the serpent, if I, you will. You know. You know, I think part of that may be just pure visibility. I mean, I walk into my room, and all those things are just right in your face. You know, where's that's the, true. Yeah, the royals, the carpets. I'm having to pull drawer after drawer, tub after tub. Um, but I walk into my snake room and I'm in there all the time. Uh, I can visualize what the green trees are doing. I don't, I don't pull the Royals and the carpets tubs open every time I walk in the snake room, but every time I walk in the snake room, I see what the, the green trees are doing. Mm. Right, so that's part of it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what about, as far, so this is another question I had that I thought it would be interesting. And I, you brought it up on GTP Cuba radio, but just about, Getting that female or getting, you know, your babies uh, on that, you know, so they don't miss the growth curve um, when they're, you know, babies, the juveniles and then growing up to adults. Like, you know, maybe you could hit on that just to share what your thoughts were on that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I I will preface it by saying that what I have noticed is anecdotal. Um, In other words, I don't have any kind of real solid evidence to to back up, but I, I think that there, and I've, and I've talked to other keepers about it. I've talked to Gary about it, uh, in particular, um, and Mark Hager here, um, in Texas. And I think, and I'm talking about really females, um, because I think there, there is a growth curve for a female green tree python. And I think a lot of keepers have gone overboard in the you know, don't don't feed these things. They need to be super lean, and you know, if you feed mm-hmm. them too much, they'll prolapse. And I think there's a growth curve with these things. You know, that 18 month to three year period where, particularly females, that if you deprive them of of food, not deprive them, that's not the right word, but if you if you don't give them adequate nutrition, that they can get kind of a stunted. Um, appearance as an adult or you know become very small adults which you know we we all know in the wild they they typically are very small 
um, mm. smaller than they are in captive collections, but that doesn't necessarily translate to better reproductive habits in captivity. So I like to give particularly my females that chance to show, you know, are they, are they going to be a big female or are they going to be a small female? And a lot right. of that is dictated by, by genetics, of course. Um, but as long as they're not obese, I want to give them that chance to become, you know, robust females. Yeah. And then, and then once they do reach that female, that five-year female size, then they require, you know, very little um, food to maintain that size. So that's right. You know, that's just my thought. And and I, I and I say that because the classic example is is I acquired an animal um, a year ago, and it was an animal that I had actually I wanted to try the importing bushmaster thing because I wanted right. to learn. Just, just you know, I, I I didn't want to ever talk about something that I hadn't personally experienced. So I imported a group of animals from bushmaster, mm-hmm. came in. Uh, I got them established, took them to the vet, got them treated, you know, reestablished them, kind of like Harlan and, and Ryan Burke do. And then I, I resold them. And um, about a year ago, a, a guy had bought one of these animals. And after he bought it, when it was about 18 months old, he brought it back to me to sex it. And I sexed it as a male. And um, we talked about, you know, keeping the male small, lean, thin. And so he fed it appropriately, and he needed to sell the animal, long story short. And so about six months ago, I, I reacquired the animal from him, and it looked like a, a, it was five years old. It looked like a small male. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, at the time when I got it, I reprobed it, and it, it turned out that it, it was female. Okay. Um, but now I've got a very small five-year-old female. You know, he'd done everything right. He kept it small. He'd, he'd fed it like I would feed a male. Um but as I've tried to put size on her, it just is not, it has not worked out. I mean, she's, she's just going to be a 400 or 450 gram female and maybe I'll be able to breed her and maybe I won't, you know? Um, right. Yeah. I mean, so. honestly, I've kind of run into that same thing with carpets is that I've had, you know, one that I thought was a female turn out to be a male. And then I'm like, Oh crap, it's now a monster. And it's a male, and and I'll never find anything to breed it to. And I've also had the reverse, where one that, you know, uh, the other way around, where now I have this really small female, you know, and it's like, I got to try to get you up to size. And you can pump food into it. It just, it won't get any bigger. It'll just get fat. So it's like, okay. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I mean, if with a little bit of experience, you know the difference between an obese green tree and a robust green tree. You know. Yeah. Right. It's it, that's not rocket science. So. Yeah. Fat snakes but don't can, breed either. So. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Your your uh, example about the male that you know you turned into a monster male. You know he's probably not going to breed as a as a as a big old robust monstrous male carpet python. The. I have I have a six foot male carpet python, and the only thing he can breed to is my seven foot female carpet python. Anything else, it's a no go. So it's like, <laughs> well, I guess you two are paired up for the rest of your lives. So yeah, um, that's why we're following the Eric Burke method of keeping things tinier. So you know, <laughs> Hobbit size. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hobbit sized carpets. That's all we yeah, want now. Yeah. I've changed. Yeah. I learned. Um, yeah. I mean, Bill, you, you're kind of talking about all these projects and all these other. Are you adding to the Chondro projects? Like, are you actively hunting something or are you just kind of seeing wherever your fancy takes you or what appears in front of you? Um, you guys know that I'm, we're going to move here later this year, probably. Um, we're going to downsize our house and I need a, I need a much bigger snake facility. So I'm not really looking to add anything or grow this year. I'm just trying to, you know, trying to stay where I am and, and keep out of trouble until I can get this relatively large collection moved safely. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, are you, are you a little nervous about the move about oh, moving super, the collection? Yeah. Super nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you it's, precautions? I mean, you know, I mean, you, you guys have both moved collections. It's, yeah, it's just going to be a daunting task. It's going to be stressful and kind of like Eric, um, you know, I'm, I've kind of even, it, it's good because the green trees tend to have typically gone pretty early for me. So I'm kind of set there. I may have one other pair that, uh, that goes, but, um, I've really, I'm going to decrease the Royal, uh, breeding projects this year and kind of anticipation of that kind of like what, what Eric did right before he moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best mm. decision I made because the next year I had 14 clutches. So yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the only yeah. advice I can give you is don't move during a snowstorm like I did because <laughs> that is not. Yeah. It's not helpful. It's not good. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot less likely in Texas. You don't know. Happen. It'll be like you'll yeah. have that. It would just be for you that freakish snowstorm over <laughs> Dallas. It's like why? Um, but I, I mean. And of course, now we're talking about you, you're moving. I mean, does this mean you get to design a brand new snake building? I mean, how fun Absolutely. is that? <laughs> nice. I can't wait. Absolutely. I can't, can't wait. I've already got a few things kind of like penciled in that I just, you know, I just can't wait to have. Um, you know, looking at looking at Eric's place, you know, I just want like a massive sink. You know, like one of those yeah, just, just huge sink, you know, big old industrial dishwasher, and mm. tons of electrical outlets that aren't you know six inches above the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just imagine Kim's like, what kind of color do you want the kitchen? You're like, huh? What? Yeah, whatever. It's like, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's human parts. It's like, yeah. Exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be very focused on that room. The other thing I'm going to do, I'm going to put a separate quarantine room. I'm going to build yes. kind of a room inside a room. Room inside That's a room. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, cool. doing these shows, I, I, I always quarantine stuff when I, when I come back from shows and it sure would be nice not to have to do that inside the house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that that's kind of one of those things that we all need to definitely think about because I mean, it's it, it, how many people get burned for not quarantining or something like that. I mean, mites are just probably the least of the worries that we have to think about coming back from shows. Yeah, but it's, it's the thing, mites are the thing that I think of most often. Um, yeah. Hand sanitizer, you know, of course, if anybody wants to handle an animal, they get hand sanitizer before 
I think that helps some, but I don't know if that kills mites. Um, yeah. Mites, you know, mites are the thing that I worry about the most of shows. Yeah, I mean, how do you know if a mite phase green tree has mites? I mean, is <laughs> is it difficult? I mean, does it just Never, look normal? I, I, I mean, well, yeah. I will tell you one. I will tell you one thing. And Christian Stewart told me this. Um, he has only ever seen a green tree soak itself in its water dish if it's had mites. Oh, that's the oh. only he's, he's ever seen green trees um, soak is if they've had mites. Yeah. So I always kind of keep that up. And even if they're too hot, they'll ground themselves, but they rarely, rarely, rarely get, get in that water ditch and have mites. So. All right. We need to change the topic because I'm getting, yeah. <laughs> mites, <laughs> mites are gross. Get, yeah. Getting itchy. Um, yeah, take off and you'll get from orbit. Only way to be sure. So, so yep. let's. Let's talk about the another Morelia in your collection, uh, rough scales. How are they doing? Thank How's you. That, well, hello. Uh, I'm back now. <laughs> I knew you were going back after that. Yeah, yeah. I I love the rough scales. They're doing great, but they are frustrating the shit out of me. How so? <laughs> Breeding them? Well, well, I'll 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 put it to you this way. I have named yeah. my my male Owen. <gasps> he's he's a solid fire. feeder. I don't I don't know solid, how to feel about this. Right? Solid feeder, terrible like, breeder. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I thought he was coming. Uh, oh, 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 first off, first off, first off, number one. Thank you. I mean, I've never had a, a rough scale named after me. That's awesome, but that. for all the wrong reasons. Like, <laughs> dear God, unfortunately, breeder, terrible breeder. Unfortunately, you and I are in the same boat because we have siblings. Um, and I tried to put mine together this year too, and they kind of just stared at me, and I'm like, okay. So, yeah, you know. I, I talked to um there's do you guys know Brett Bender down in Austin? Yep, yep. Do you know that name? Mm-hmm. Yep, Brett. Yep, yep, yep. I was I was talking to him at the NRBC Arlington show and he has rough scales. He he thought yeah. he had acquired this the same thing that I did, one point two, right? Mm. But he ended up getting having two point one. Yep. And he said he never got any breeding activity until he put the three of them together. The two males mm. and the female all in the same tub. And before he knew it, both males were locking up with that female. So I don't, so, you know, he may be on something there. He said they, he said he never saw any kind of combat. He never saw any uh, aggressive or defensive behavior between the two males. But they both locked up with that female. So what you're telling me, Bill, is I need more. <laughs> yes, we both. Which do. is okay. We both do. That's not a bad. thing. Thing. No. But this hobbit creature is making me go to Australia. So, and Look, it's, man, you, you want to stay home? Making me do it. No, 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 no. That's, we can't do that Bring again. One back. Bring one back. Bring one back. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's okay. Federal prison. Yeah. It's only a thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, it's, I, I, I've heard that, um, I've heard that working in scrubs a lot, especially uh, Tanabars, where it's like, put them all together, and then 
pull the males and the female, like set, like put like 2.2 together and then separate them. And then the males will continually breed or something like that. But then I've also heard people who don't do that and get success. So again, it just goes back to triggers and, um, I would hope that there are other kind of ways. I know that I like to play around with the sheds of males. So yeah. maybe I'll just wait till my mail sheds and I'll mail it to you, Bill. And then you can wait till your shed and mails it to me. Yeah. And then we're good. So yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and that's exactly what I talked to Brett about doing, um, getting, you know, him to, him to send me some mail sheds. I, I think I've kind of missed it and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would tend to want to breed. I think I've kind of missed the window uh, mm-hmm. for this year. I think I'll mm-hmm. probably just let them chill the rest of the year, and, and then maybe when the temps cool again this fall and winter, uh, try again. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I thought I was in some trouble, but my female was off food. And she, after I paired them together, nothing happened. I separated them. She nailed a rat, like, last week harder than I've ever seen her like nail one before. So I'm like, okay, did you cycle yourself? Did I miss it? What are we doing here? So I don't know. I mean, but you never saw any locks. No, nothing. They weren't even near each other. One was up high. One was down low. It was, yeah, no. That's, that's kind of been, and and how, how old are yours? Are they four? Yeah. The same, the, the, yeah. yeah, Same years. Yep. 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 But I think oh, mine are a little yeah. bit smaller than yours because they've been finicky and a little annoying and stuff like that. So I think yours are definitely bigger. Um, my female take a medium, male still in small rat. So. Yeah, I mean, that's all I feed my male anyway is smalls. But my, mm-hmm. my females are mediums. Um, I was kind of surprised when I saw the size of, of Brett's female. You know, yeah. I, I, maybe they're supposed to be a little bit bigger than I give them credit for. Um, yeah. I don't know. You think at four years old, you're ready to do it. Well, my 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 boys before the one boy I had before I sent it to Nick, he was eating mediums and he was a big. I'd say yeah. he was the size of a juvie of, of a of a good sized male carpet. So, yeah, maybe they do need to be bigger. Hmm. Maybe they just, this is a just need that's cool. Eric's I, I getting sure. his first one. <laughs> Eric's getting one soon. Eric is. So he'll join the club. Yeah. You're getting one? Yeah, yeah where? Uh, Nick. Very nice. A baby or what? Yeah. Yeah, it's a female. Very, very cool. I, yeah. I love them, man. They're so, they're, you know, they're so different. They're, yeah. they're, they're just different. They're, um, they're not like holding a carpet python. They'll, I don't. I find them not to be quite as mobile as a carpet. They'll just kind of mm-hmm. wrap you, and they'll just kind of kind of look at you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're, they're staring you down, studying you. They're really really cool. And not aggressive in hand either. Like I've never had one double back and like bite me on the forearm like a white lip. You know, they just want to chill. So yeah, never even had any kind of. Uh, sign that they would ever try to do that any of mine and i mm-hmm. they're, they're just super chill yep. yeah it's like the the one snake that you want to did you want to see the defense uh <laughs> the threat, you know, display. Defense yeah. threat display from and you can't get them yeah. to do anything <laughs> you know? i've seen like, it i've seen it twice when they arrived the first time and i opened up their container and then uh-huh. 
when I went downstairs once, when I just moved them out of the tubs and into the arboreal cages, I went down with a like a flashlight and my mail flared it out for like a split second. And that's it. I'm like, you know, I, I don't understand how pissed off you have to make them to see it. Like it's yeah. I've yeah. never seen it. Yep. I've never seen it with mine. It's cool. Uh, Owen, Owen, do you keep yep. yours pretty much like you keep your carpets? No. <laughs> no, they're special. No, they're special. They're just dirty creatures on newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, um, he makes he makes fun stop. of Condro people because stop. they think they have a magical snake on a stick. Stop it. However, he has a magical <laughs> snake on a ledge. That's it. Build a different Or a shelf. Oh, I say. It's, a shelf right? it's a shelf. It's a nice shelf. Right. All right. Dust in there. Or, or, or what? Well, no. So you got a shelf. Yeah. So uh, I have these two arboreal cages that somebody nearby had made custom for Condros, and he sold them for ridiculously cheap. And I took them and I altered them for uh, the roughies. They have uh, shelves um, with cork bark that's like drilled down into it, so they can get underneath the cork bark or sit on top of it. They have cool. heat panels. Um, they're on. Uh, cypress mulch. There's a bunch of fake plants and crap in there. There's a bunch of cork <laughs> tubes and tunnels. And then there's like a hide box in the back. So, yeah. You got a waterfall in there or anything? I haven't figured out how to get it in there yet, but there will be like a river that runs through. No, it's, and that's pretty <laughs> much where they're at. Um, but like they're, I try to keep, there's certain animals in the collection that I keep on mulch. Um, anything that's a collier bridge just because I don't want to be changing papers like every other goddamn day. Um, yeah. White lips, uh, the Timors, um, all that stuff that would just be, that are messy. Um, and then the roughies. So, yeah. I I keep, I also put that um, cork bark in with mine. They really like that. They, they do. They really yeah. utilize that. And mine isn't so much a shelf. It's just sitting in there. It's a fairly thick piece, but they're on top mm. of that all the time. I uh I, I put the the big flat pieces in with uh my Madagascan hognose and they hide underneath it and then so do my uh blue beauty snakes they do the same thing too in there so cork bark like slab is my new favorite thing for colubrids and stuff like that um the the roughies on the shelf they'll sit on top of the tube or inside of it and that's how I kind of know that they're hunting because they'll start kind of almost hanging down looking around down on the floor um. Yeah, so that's usually better for that. I I experimented with putting like some uh, chondro perches in with mine, and they mm-hmm. didn't utilize them. Um, they, no, they just didn't utilize them. They they would occasionally drape over them, but I found they like the shelf better. They they don't like because I found that out with when I got my first pair, and I tried putting chondro perches in there, and they didn't use them at all. And I talked with Julie, and she had some, and she said that they like larger, thicker things. So I used to have those grapevines in with them when they were tiny and they wouldn't sit on the thin parts, but they would kind of coil around the big thick parts. So the shelf, they definitely use it because they'll be up on top of it and they can kind of just coil up and around and that's what they want. And I kind of have gotten away from cork tubes because they'll jam themselves in the tube and then they kind of get a little, afraid when you go to feed them they'll kind of just kind of hide themselves in the tube and then they'll never come out and you'll miss the feeding so i like having big 
flat pieces of cork in there or big round tubes where it's kind of easy for them to slide through. Um, but yeah, that, that, I love the cork stuff. It's really working well. And I mean, my buddy does monitors and he burns through cork tubes cause they'll just, his monitors will just break them apart, rip them apart and you'll just get rid of them. So I just scoop them up after he's done and into, into various snake cages. So, yeah. You know, I've never, I've never had one of mine have like a bad shed. I mean, no. I always just seem to shed perfect. They don't really require high humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and just have good sheds. They seem real. They're they're real low maintenance. They are, and I have like small water bowls in there, and you know I've never like noticed like dirt or anything. Every once in a while, like my Madagascan yeah. hogs will cruise through the water and it's dirty, and I have to throw it out. It's never dirty with them. It just gets swapped out yeah. on the normal stuff. And uh, yep. up yeah, until recently, here, right? I never had a problem feeding them either. And you know, the, that's why when the female went off, I'm like, what's up with you? So, but back at it now. So we'll see. What, what about your, what about your temps? What do you, what do you uh, keep that heat panel? The heat panel gets up to 86 during the day. And then they have a night drop. They're the only ones that yeah. have like a night drop throughout constant. Everybody else is like, you're 84 no matter what, but their computers shut off at, probably eight and then don't turn back on till eight in the morning. So they can, gotcha. they drop down to about 75 maybe. And then that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I keep, um, I, I, I keep my male actually in a, uh, a rack that I keep my adult female Royals in and he'll, he'll get a night drop of like five degrees. Yeah. But in my, one of the females I have in a, um, two by four, uh, PVC cage, and she gets she gets no she's she's like my chondro she gets no supplemental heat at night and they yeah. and both of them you know seem to be doing great yeah you 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 keep Owen in a rack next to the Royal Python you <laughs> monster <laughs> how dare I you knew, sir I knew that I knew that would that would crush you it, it just it's, all of this is crushing <laughs> you know and, I, and I'll make it even worse it's right next to a scaleless head. Whoa. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, my, oh my! Oh my God! A scale right next to a scaleless head female are ball work, Are you working with the scaleless? Like, do you really want to get into that? Hell yeah, I'm a monster. You know that. But why? It's just so disgusting looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, uh. Yes. Jesus. Eric, yeah. defend me for God's sake. No, no, don't you go I, to his I, aid. I, <laughs> He's got nothing. <laughs> Quiet you. Yeah, usually I'm quick on the draw when it comes to busting on Owen, but Jesus Christ, you know. See, he said, falling, yeah, you crossed the line. <laughs> you went to scaleless. Yeah, you went to scaleless. I, 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 you said scaleless, you, you and ruined I'm kind Eric. of thinking like, oh, I didn't know you were doing scaleless. Okay, all right, See? fair enough. I, I kind of got Eric. taken back for a second, but. Not that I I've don't, I don't the, care about it. I just I just didn't know that you were working with him. That's all. He's disgusted. He just doesn't want to tell you. You know. No. It's, yeah. My name is Owen. I'm not snobby ooh, about these I, things. Hey. I've, <laughs> I've disappointed. I've disappointed Eric before. I'm and I'm sure I'll do it again. I, I, I mean, see that look on his face right mm, now. Scaleless, <laughs> you evil, uh, evil Frankenstein man. Uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> See, they, I thought I was they, bad. They, 
Yeah, no, I take you to a whole no, a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Eric, now, if you, you breathe, shit, Eric, you have I shit have... that you produce that you don't even know what it is. Okay, at least <laughs> I know what my shit is. Oh yeah, I I have no clue, yeah. man. I still don't know. Don't it just know. is a cool looking stick. Yeah, he's yeah. growing up. He's like, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> you know, I thought for sure that I would be able to, uh, you know, talk to my uh, fellow carpet python breeders that, you know, are been doing this a little longer than me, and they might know. Nope. They didn't have a clue. They're like, They're like sorry, man. Weird. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's nope. just great. Okay. Well, another <laughs> snake that I'm gonna have to hold back. God damn it! You know, like like that broke your heart. I mean, you know, Jesus Christ. There comes a point, though, man. Having... I mean, <laughs> then then You're sell actually... a poison ivy baby. Poison ivy baby. I bet you oh, hell no. heard that, and he's on his way to your house right now. No way. <laughs> you know. Oh, hell no. Yeah, you're having oh. to breed those to to prove them out. You know, mm, you're not true. gonna know what's in there. Read it. Yeah. Isn't that annoying? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, I'm at, I'm at a loss with them. That's well, almost why I want to just breed water pythons. Why? Because it's a damn water python. You want it? It's a water python. <laughs> what's it look like? It looks like a water python. What's it's it gonna water, grow into? A water python. Water, a water water, water python. python. A water special python. Philly water python. Um, yeah. So, um. Are you adding anything to your collection, Bill, other than Contras? Or are you going to, again, you're waiting until you get into the new place? And then I can't, are you going to go damn it, Owen, are you paying attention to the show? Or no! What? He just no. said not even 20 minutes oh, ago I know. that he's not adding but, anything oh, in. I, I mean, <laughs> wait, we're rephrasing. I know it was the go, next question what is he gonna on the add? outline. But it was in my Lord. head. Hold on. When you get there, How's are you going to add anything? That's a dick. lot better. Thank, thank, thank you, Eric. Oh, yeah. Jesus All right. Christ. I'm back on the game. Are you gonna, right. When you get there, are you going to add anything other than Condras? Like, are you preparing for other stuff? Well, I I did see the question on the outline, so I, I did think about it. And since Kim won't let me have any venomous stuff. <clears throat> Jesus. Ooh. Trying to what keep would you get that? Hold on, let's pause for one second. If you could get venomous, yeah. what would it be? Tree vipers? Oh, there's no, absolutely. There's no doubt really? what I did. I'd get some of that shit Cody and P is producing. The, the, those are like that Sri Lankan pit viper. I want one of yeah, those. Yeah, so those are pretty. God. Yeah. God, awesome. Terrifying. Right Bill, pretty. Bill, have you seen their place? No, I know you have. Holy shit. When I tell yeah. you that, like, it's it's a whole nother level. Like, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Holy mm. hell! I've I've, I've heard it. Um, my understanding is is they have venomous snakes in every single room in their place except the kitchen, maybe. Yes. Is that right? It's it's really not a house. It's a kitchen with a bedroom maybe and like you know it's like snake the house around the rest <laughs> um yeah no i just mean even just their approach to just displaying the animals is uh, it's it was it blew my mind it, it, i was blown away by it crazy mm-hmm. i will get there i will get there eventually i will get um even if they don't host the next 
Southeast Carpet Fest, I bet I could go take a visit. Um, oh know, yeah, during it, because yeah. mm-hmm. I'd love, love to see it. But yeah, I um, could see why you'd want own. them. Oh. Yep. Back to Owen's question that was completely yeah, legitimate. Yeah. All right. So this, you know, I thought about it today, and this is what this is what I would do, and I think the timing potentially could be pretty right. Is I would like to get some Bowens pythons. Holy and, shit! Really? Um, I, You're gonna go there? Yes. And I say that because I think by the time I'd be ready, I think Keith and Ari are gonna have these things um, drilled in, and I think one of those two guys is gonna produce some here. And once they do that, then that would kind of be my signal to maybe get in on the project. So, I mean, you're building a new snake building facility, whatever. Are you yep. laying out the details of where you would put cages for those guys? No, but it will. It's going to be big enough that if I decide to, that I'd be able to house them. I'm, I'm going to build okay. a big place. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's that, that. that would be my next big project. Okay. What an excellent answer to a completely legitimate question. Is that something that you've always wanted or is that something that like recently that have you thought about or is. Well, I mean, ever since ICAST, when I saw that one uh, there, Mm. remember that one? It was a juvenile, I think it was a a juvenile man or something. It was in shed, right? It was in shed at the time. And it was just, it was incredible. I just, you know, I, I, I fell in love with it there, and it's something that I knew I couldn't keep here and now. But I think looking forward into the future, you know, it, it's got certainly got has a possibility. Yeah, that's cool. I agree. That's cool. Yeah. And it, and again, you know, it's one of the one of the things that kind of drew me to to green trees was this. Um, it's turned out to be kind of a, a myth now in the husbandry that they're they're more difficult or mm-hmm. experienced only. That that's not the case. I don't think with with green trees anymore. I think the reproduction is, but um, that kind of also draws me kind of some of the allure of the Boland's python. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like people are calling it a difficult snake, and it's not worth the time just because it doesn't breed. It's like okay. You, you don't have to breed it. It's like, you know, you can try, but it's not going to be the end of the world. So, I don't know. I, I I think you could have total success just keeping it and having total fun with it that way. So I think that's yeah. the key to success with these things. I think that's mm-hmm. what people yeah. keep forgetting about. I think that's why Keith, in particular, is going to be the one that's successful with it because he seems to have just, like, figured out what works for his animals, and then he's just going to stick with that and – yeah. You know, I think over time, whether it's this year or next year, but and I I would bet by next year he would be producing them. Yeah. And just he, he's oh, in tune with the animals, you know. Yeah, he's he's the perfect guy because he's had decades of experience with a bunch of different species that, mm. you know, that is is now enabling him to see things in his bowlings that I'm sure you and I and that the three of us would never even recognize or think significant. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. It's, it's that kind of stuff. I think that's going to, 
lead him to the next level. And, and then, you know, again, it's, it's going to be people like him that are going to be the gateway to then people like us or me, whoever decides to, you know, decide to go in that route because Keith will be very open, you know, with what he's learned and information. And then, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be second generation people that, you know, successfully reproduces them because, Oh, and, Oh, and I know what you're saying about, you know, you can, you can have animals and keep them and not have to breed them. Like, like my rhinos, uh, that's the way I am with them. I, I think they're cool snakes, um, right. but I have no plans on really breeding and reproducing them. But if I ever got into Boland's pythons, I would be focused day one. I want to learn how these things reproduce. That'd be a cool project to chase. I mean, I'm saying that, and I've been chasing white lips for, you know, ever. So... You know, every once in a while, I feel like you need those hard puzzles because then it's something to figure out. And then if you have success, it's not only good for you, but it's really good for the hobby as a whole, because now there are captive born and bred animals to enter into other people who are passionate about it. And they can continue to further the species of the the captive population. And that's good. So, yeah, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Bolins would be like green trees are were like 40 years ago, you know. Because I'm, yeah. I really have legitimate concern about green trees in the wild, um, you know, between deforestation and uh, uh, them being pl- plucked out of the wild. You know, I've got a legitimate concern that, you know, that species may, you know, really have some upcoming problems existing in the wild in Indonesia and in Australia. Uh, so yeah. I think the more the more that we can produce here in captivity and offer offer that as a viable option you know, I think it's just it's just a win-win yeah I mean um, and it's Indonesia being shut down importation and now with the rules from CITES under review for Australian species going from border to border you know potentially everything that's here in the United States is all we're going to get from a lot of those places so it'd be nice to try to finally start figuring out these animals. Otherwise, uh, a lot of them are going to be pretty rare to come by. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> That's a pinnacle species, uh, you know, for, well, it's kind of like one of those ones for most people that keep Morelia. I mean, I know they're not Morelia anymore, but that was always kind of the, the one that one day I'll work with these, you know, <laughs> Sure, but, uh, sure, and you know they're just uh, because of their size and their requirements, they're not a uh, they're not a legitimate animal for a lot of people to work with. Yeah, yeah. not to mention and the they, price tag kind of keeps people some you know yeah uh, some people yeah. away from it you know. Um, but uh, I think I think once once they're sort of you know a couple generations in, I think you'll start to see just I, I would. I would venture to guess that they'll be similar to like with everything, you know, I mean, you know, you got the wild stuff and it's difficult to breed and, you know, then you get a couple generations in, I mean, look at Royal pythons now. I mean, yeah, I think. Absolutely. You're right. They're pretty easy, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a a 12 year old boy can do it, but they, you know, back (laughs) in the day, they, they, they were thought to be difficult species to you know to reproduce so i think you're exactly right get a couple generations of captive bred animals Mm -hmm. 
under the belt, so to speak. And, you know, boy, that, yeah. that's what we need. So here's a question. And I know uh, when you can hold your ears for this, if you want or whatever, but with, you know, Royal Pythons, do you see yourself getting into some of those, uh, like the magma or the Pompeii or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I know obviously you've got Scalus head, but do you see yourself going well, in that direction at all? Yeah, he's going to make magma scalus head for hippopotamus. I mean, Devin, you've been listening to the show. So. Damn it. You know what's, yep. you know what's funny is, is my my royal collection is actually very um, low end. Like, I produce a lot of just wheelhouse, you know, that two, three, five hundred dollar um, mm-hmm. animal. And, you know, that's just kind of my niche. And I don't mind that. Uh, those are the animals that I can take to a show and sell a buttload of them and not have to rely on that one, you know, that one big sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of ironic that I'm, I'm dealing with kind of some upper echelon green trees, but my, my ball Python production is really pretty, pretty medium to, to low grade. And, um, I, I have no real desire or plans to invest like in a big high dollar, uh, royal project that just it just doesn't seem right to me and i, and I don't really right. know why um but no i'm, I'm not going to be going there i'm just going to continue to produce a bunch of pides and blue-eyed lucies and you know candies and you know just really cool low you know mid-range stuff that that i like that i like to produce right. okay no i mean that the three hundred dollar range is really good because it's like once a really good morph hits that range, you know people who just want it because it looks cool and want it as a pet, you get those guys involved. So now you've got the amateur breeders, the people who want it as a pet, and it's that that range is really kind of where I think I wanted to end up being with the collier breeds that I have and with the retics is just kind of be in that three to five hundred dollar range. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so, you know, I, I go ahead, Eric. No, no, no. Go ahead. There's, there was a question that popped I, I, up in the chat, but go ahead and finish your thought. Well, mm. I, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that I really like to do at the shows is I like to get people, um, new people involved, whether it's their first green tree, they've kept Royals, you know, mm-hmm. they've kept others, but it's their first green tree, or even if it's just their first snake, man, you know, I, I just like that. I don't, maybe I'll get tired of it eventually. Um, but I haven't so far. Um, but I, I just, it's really part of the, the thing that I think is fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that with Pom- selling a Pompeii or, you know, some of these other just crazy high end, high end Royals. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it seems like, you know, I don't know. It seems like you have to be the guy that's sort of leading the way with those projects in order to get any kind of money out of them. I could be wrong, but you know, I mean, I bet you, you know, he produces that thing and everybody wants a red stripe, you know, that kind of deal. And (laughs) and all of a sudden you're selling them like crazy. I I don't know because I'm so far distance from that. And I'm so far distance from that market and those people um, I, I just have no idea. All I know is that I've been successful, you know, just the bread and butter wheelhouse 
stuff that I like to produce. I sell I sell out every year. It doesn't matter how many of them I produce. I, I think I produced 400 Royals last year, and I'm Holy sitting on shit. probably about Jesus on Christ. About 75. Wait, you know, left. How, how did you do that with a full time <laughs> job? <laughs> Holy I shit! Don't, I don't. I don't know. I ask myself every day when I get up now. I well, go, how in the fuck did I do that last year? How many baby? Well, how many ball fights on clutches was that? Because I mean, like, they were. They're not having twenty to thirty eggs. Like, dear lord. They have, you know, seven, eight Six. eggs. Yeah. To do the math. I mean, Holy crap! I had a, just a tremendous number of, and it was one of those just kind of freak years where probably eighty percent of my females went, and all the all the eggs survived, and all the babies thrived, and I just, I mean, I was just full, full of baby ball pythons, but they've all sold and are, and are still selling. So that's awesome, man. They pay yeah. for new uh, chondros and uh, more chondros, <laughs> building a reptile building and all those things. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, exactly. All right, so what we got two questions. Room? Yeah, it's two questions in the chat. What this one from William says? Whatever happened to that red ball? I don't know what that means. Does that yeah, mean either. the red? Yeah, the red ball was a project very similar to uh, the panther. Very similar. It, oh. uh, it was supposedly a new recessive uh, that came out of Poland. Okay. Oh, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> Someone painted a ball python. Got it. So. Yeah, this was a red, red ball python, and yeah. um, it was actually an, supposedly an albino black ball was the red ball python, and I almost got involved in it. Um, but long story short, it never materialized, um, and so it's it's a defunct uh, fake project. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, there you go, William. All right. Now Ryan has a question that says now with reproducing GTPs, how can we push people away from the Repticon special? You know that we crank out enough captive born and bred Beox to hurt the jobbers who are pointing off imports to the wrong people. Or are we going to try to educate on a larger scale and try to put out media to inform people? Uh, what is y'all's take on that problem? Well, in my opinion, you're never going to stop the importers or the jobbers, but you can possibly try to get to the customers to uh, hopefully educate them. Um, we've kind of been talking about how you spent, you you know, it's your dollar, spend it where you should for about eight years now. So I'm not sure if that's made a dent or anything, but we'd like to think it did. So, um, but Bill, what do you think? <laughs> no, I think, I think that's right. I, I mean, I think you're right until they, um, illegalize the importation of, of all green trees from Indonesia, you're still going to have that market. Um, and it's going to, you know, it seems like it's a pretty robust one, but I really think the numbers and I, I don't have any evidence to base this on, but it seems to me like there's less coming out. There's certainly less being produced on the Bushmaster farm mm. uh, than there were the passing of uh, Latimer. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the Bushmaster production is down. Um, and I think there's just going to be less of them available to be plucked from the wild in Indonesia over the next decade, um, even if they even if they are able to still legally export out of Indo. 
but I think Owen's right. I think education, um, you know, will go a long way. Um, and then just as we learn more and more about how to be able to successfully breed them in captivity, that's going to open up the, the markets here. Just like I, I think very few royal pythons are imported anymore from from sub-Saharan Africa, right? I mean, right. when we first got into it, in, into royals 20 years ago, they estimated 200 to 300,000 baby ball pythons were imported in, into the U.S. alone every year. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. I mean, gone are the, uh, the, the Hamburg special where it's like they open up the crate and there's a bunch of sacks of ball pythons and some of them are marked gravid and people are buying these wild caught gravid females because they might lay eggs and hatch something cool looking. Um, right. So we haven't seen that stuff. I mean, and also, yeah, I would say that I've seen less and less baby green tree pythons at, the dealers and flippers tables than I used to. I used to see a bunch, usually every couple, every, usually about every spring you'd see a bunch. And now it's like maybe three or four per, like per jobber. So, yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. And um, I I don't have a lot based on show wise, because I haven't attended a lot of shows, you know, traditionally, Mm. but like the Arlington and ARBC show, there was very few of them there. Um, So, we just we have to learn to do better to to reproduce them in captivity. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you know car, it probably falls into that same thing that we have with carpets. You know, somebody wants it for cheaper, and really mm-hmm. it comes down to the price. So, you know, you know you have it's two hundred dollars cheaper or something like that. But you know, especially you know, okay, I'll give it to you with a carpet you're probably going to be successful with that no matter what, but you know, you still with a, with a, with a chondro, you want to be able to talk to the breeder. I don't know. To me, that's just priceless. And I know mm-hmm. we, we say that, but it just, it doesn't matter. It seems that people just, you know, are f- so focused on that price. And then, you know, they get it and they're spending $200 on the vet bills. And then they're in the same situation with a snake that, you know, all of a sudden just keels over. And then, you know, I think it just adds to that, um, misconception about the species, you know, and yeah. Yeah. the cycle continues. So, right. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I think we're, we're doing everything we can to try to break that cycle and, you know, GT Keeper Radio is not the place to break that cycle, right? Because, like <laughs> Eric right. alluded to, most of the people listening to that show, you know, know the the do's and the don'ts, and or if if you do do the risk that you're taking, we got we just got to get into these other markets, and um, it's you know that's why I I think you know going to these damn shows and just showing up yeah. with some captive bred green trees is it's just got to be you know a big part of that. I was thinking that that's that's one of the drawbacks to Facebook as well because just the just the way that Facebook is set up, right? You're mm-hmm. sort of like in your little corner of the hobby, mm-hmm. and you're yeah, sort of right. isolated from the rest of the hobby. So, like, if you're into yep. say Morelia, you know, you're on the Morelia Vieiritis Forum, you're on Morelia Pick of the Week, you're on the Morelia from Australia, you know, you're on these different, but it's all sort of the same. So, you're, you know, you'll have newbies that come along and hear about it, how, you know, maybe they listen to 
GTP Keeper Radio or this show or Chondrocast or whatever, and <clears throat> you know they 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 learn about it that way or they're you know. But I I don't know, man. It's we're we're not we're not hitting the people we need to. Dare I right. say we bar check it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do that <laughs> without. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like that guy, he reaches an audience yeah. that's just like All right. you know. No, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know a million over a million YouTube subscribers, and yeah, I think we we had this discussion before. Maybe we didn't. I don't remember. Um, but you know, he came to my place and yeah, mm-hmm. wanted to film my collection, and um, I had to do some serious kind of soul searching isn't the right word, but I, I thought about it. You know, do I do I want to have Brian Barcheck to come and film my collection and. Uh, because you know he's he's with with some hobbyists he he doesn't have the most sterling reputation, mm-hmm. um, right? But, but there were two reasons that I ultimately did it, and I'm super glad that I did do it. One of mm-hmm. them was um, Forrest Fanning, and he are friends, and yeah. right. I like Forrest, I trust Forrest Fanning, and so right. you know when Forrest says, "Hey, listen, this guy's you know he's not going to burn you, he's going to come down and uh, you know." And, and he's going to do a good job. He's going to do you right. And sure enough, when he came down here, he did do that. He was he was very humble. He was not a know-it-all. He wasn't a, this is my show. Um, mm-hmm. He did all the right things, said all the right things. But in the long, you know, when it's said and done, I had potentially a million ball python people, because that's who subscribes to his channel, learn right. something about green tree pythons. Yeah. Correct. You know. All right. I mean, so now that I look back at it, it was a no-brainer. You know, of course, yeah. of course, I'm gonna have Marchek come and and you know put a vol- one of my a vlog out. Yeah. All right. So um, I'll start growing a ponytail, and uh, <laughs> we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. I, I guess my I guess my what I'm saying is sort of like Bill said. It's like you know Phil didn't make that decision to do that. And he sort of went with what the hobby, you know, like, let's just say the Morelia hobby for sake of argument, Mm -hmm. you know, would want you to do in that situation. Then would you have gotten in front of those people? And you may have hit more people with that than you would, you know. Anytime else. Yeah. Absolutely. No no doubt about doing this show or GTP Keeper Radio. Sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hit many, many tens of thousands of more people that are not green tree people or not, yeah. you know, carpet people. So, yeah, it's, that's. I often wonder. <clears throat> I don't know if you what you guys have thought about, but like, I wonder, you know, with the podcast, like, how do we put that in front of a different group of people? You know, like, it seems it's easier with YouTube, maybe, but like, how do you get? people that are not into because I still have people that contact me and they're like did you ever have so and so on the show I'm like uh, yeah, yeah. many <laughs> I mean, times it's, it's, like, yeah. In the, it's in the archives you know, um, like, and like so so for some reason they're not seeing it I guess well you know we could run there's advertising stuff you can run we can always add that stuff on um you just reminded me that I really have to send an email to Joe and Melissa to get all their uh how they do merchandising and stuff like that so I got to bother them again um but it's the 
it, it, there, there's ways to put that out there, but maybe we've now saturated to the point of Maria. We need to move on to try to get other people involved. So does that mean that we should start interviewing further out than Morelia than we've ever gone before? You know, well, this, this the, un, is, you guys the already, uncharted you, territories. So. You guys already do this. <laughs> yeah. You guys already do this. You, you have non-Morelia people on your show all the time. Mm, what sure. we need to do is we need to get on non-Morelia shows. We need to get on a retic show. They yeah, like Eric. Need, right. They'll 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 ask Eric to do stuff. Nobody asks me. <laughs> 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 but you're right. You're right, Bill. <laughs> you know, um, we need to get on on a Boa podcast. You know, mm. as a guest. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the only way that you're. Gonna, no, you're, you're gonna, right. Yeah, that's Just, that's the only way you're going to spread the word. You know, yeah. you got to get out there in front of that new group of people. And I often think well, that like w- with my choices, as far as like what groups I'm posting in, you know, like, do I go and join a group that has nothing to do with, you know what I mean? Like a general reptile group on Facebook. Yeah. And, uh, do it. you know, and then you know what I mean? when we're doing a podcast every day, every week. And then the other thing is like, I, I rarely listen to other podcasts. But I started to, like, if they have you on as a guest, I start downloading them and checking them out. And I now have a few more things in there that go through it. Now, you know, obviously, I listen to Reptile and Chill because I just want to hear them say tortoise all the time. And, you know, and that's... I do love how they say that. That's all I want. If they can just say that, I'm good. But, of course, now I know they listen and we're going to get hell for that later but you right. know, it's like that but you know i start listening to like they have you on they had riley on they have people i know on so i'll listen to that kind of stuff so that's the other thing too is that if we go on other shows too that's another option or even just a general reptile thing if we find another promise we can put on we can post the pick of the week all day that we're doing a podcast we run the pick of the week you've got their yeah. You should know what the podcast is. Like we, we should go to another place and talk to the people who run that and ask them if it's okay to throw up when we're doing a podcast to try to get more listeners, more this, more other things. I would love to find some way to get all our archived shows on a website where you can search the archive and find episodes about certain animals that you want to listen about. Um, Working on that, Owen. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. So I think when that happens, that'll be great because you can just get on there and type in Blackhead and you'll get every single podcast episode we ever did that had a freaking mention of a Blackhead, you know, and then that'd be cool. Holy crap. Now you have interviews from every single Blackhead breeder that's out there. I mean, awesome. Yeah. You know, what about, I mean, you guys have the audience to do, you know, almost like a trade out show. Like you would Mm -hmm. have, you know, guests of some, you know, retic podcast on, and then in return, they would have you guys on, you know, on their show. We've done that, but I, I also want to make sure that we're not going to get <laughs> trapped because we've been challenged to debates and come on my show and I'll throw down kind of crap. And I don't feel like getting into those. So <laughs> that would be the only thing I would want to 
worry against, so, but we'll see. Ah, uh, that's one specific person, yeah. <laughs> I know, but that annoyed yeah. me. So. Yeah, me too. But, uh, what, what, my snake, my snake's better than your snake kind of thing, or what? Oh, yeah, kind of. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start the war between the two, and that's when I let Eric deal with it, where he's like, hey, man, well, I like to think of it like music and guitars, and everybody's got a different guitar that they like to strum. And I'm like, what? So, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what... I kind of do that for a living. I keep the peace, so it's kind of easy to... Uh, <laughs> it's easy to do that, yeah. yeah. You know, yep. yes, you do. easy to kind of... <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so here's a question, Bill. I know you really not, um, a guy that goes herping, right? Mm. But let's just mm-hmm. say, sure. let's just say that you could go anywhere in the world and you would be staying at a five star resort hotel <laughs> and you could walk out of the hotel and there would be a reptile right there. What would that reptile be? And where would you go? Uh, I'd go to Indo for sure. Right. Uh, yeah, and and there's so many that I'd I'd want to see in the wild out there. I, I mean, I would love to see green trees in the wild. Uh, I'd love to go with Ari on his bowling. You know, yeah. His bowling um, those are the two that come to mind. You know, just just right out of the top of my head. It certainly wouldn't be Africa looking for royals. <laughs> it's in that termite Bill, mound over there. Oh. I can see Bill man yeah. in a chop, chopper to go up to find rough scales over in the Kimberly. You know, well, uh, or I could imagine, I could imagine us in this beat up jeep wandering through Australia, and then behind us is like the bus that like ACDC took on tour, and that's where Bill stays, <laughs> and he comes out every once in a while to see what we're doing. You know, and it's like, you know. Did you find anything yet, guys? You find anything yet? No. All right. Well, let me know. When it goes back in. Wake wake me up when you do. I'm I'm, I'm Exactly. I'm going to take a nap. Right. It's like, yeah. So So if you had the the opportunity, you would want to see some some green trees in the wild. Yeah. Okay. I think think so. Green trees in the wild. Um, You know, at night, uh, coming up on one in that ambush position, kind of like – Dan did in that that video. I I saw that and I was like, man, that looks so cool. That is yeah. awesome. I'd like to do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, you got all this time, dude. I mean, you can you can go all over the place now. You're you're one of those retirees now. I mean, gotta... uh, I've, it seems like I still have so much to do. I'm telling yeah, you. Well, this I move, mean, this move know. is going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a stressor. Getting a yeah. place built and, and moving this collection and getting our house sold and downsizing and all that. You know, we've been in this house 23 years. There's Jeez. shit in here that, that I can't even imagine what's up in our in our attic and you know. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a long year as far as that goes. You gonna make yeah. sure the new place has got a pool too and a and a room for Eric and Owen in case. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. All right. Absolutely. Thanks. You know. Hey man, I'm a pro. Can... I've moved four collections at this point, so if you need help, just you know, hit me up and I'll, I'll fly. Yeah, we got him. Give me a hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I might fly both you guys down uh, to help me out. Gary said he'd come down and help me too. Sweet. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I'm good with that. <laughs> I got, yeah, I'm fine I with got that. a bunch of local. Got a bunch of local help too. So you know, so many of the guys down here are just such you know, good guys. They do anything for me if I just asked them. So I, I know it'll get done. I know it'll get done right. It's just, I'm already starting to stress about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody can take that stress away as well as, you know, double, triple, quadruple checking everything, even after you've moved in, just because yeah. there's, there's a lot that can go haywire. But then also, the weird thing is, every once in a while when you move them, it's like all of a sudden you turn around and all your females have now ovulated because something happened. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. You could really go into that too. Well, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to go my pessimistic, um, be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. That's yeah. kind of, that's how, that's my approach on green trees. So yeah, it <laughs> seems to be working. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good approach for green trees. Yeah. <sighs> All right, so what's on uh before we jump off, what's on what's next on deck for GTP Keeper Radio? What's uh yeah. what do you got in the pipeline? Anything I cool? don't think we have I don't think we have a show a show planned. Um you know okay. me, I'm just a hired help. But of the group. But, hey, <laughs> hey, just because I was about to say that doesn't mean you two can. You know Jesus. My number do? one my number one job on that show is to make sure Buddy stays awake. You know, I got to make sure <laughs> doesn't drift off and fall asleep halfway through the show. Uh, I feel your pain, Buddy. <laughs> hey, it's like how I say it's the clearly Eric and I just have the Ed Sullivan show going on where he's the host and I just have to sit and go, ha ha, you are correct, sir. Like that's the I know my I know my place. I'm the Ed McMahon. I got it. And it's like, yeah. You do it so well, though. <laughs> I know. I'm the plucky comic relief. I know. Yes. You All witty right. son of a bitch, you. God damn it. <laughs> oh. Well, I am glad I'm glad that we got to throw a couple of shots back at uh, back at Owen tonight because he came I'm, out swinging. I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm he a, did, man. I, I wasn't going to let you down, Bill. It took you me knocked minute, me but, over. <laughs> like, you know... I'm like I was. I'm like he named his rough scale after me, and then it was like a punch in the heart, and it was like oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> named it after you, but not in a good way. Exactly, yeah. it brings me up and then rips me down. It's like yeah, it was that was good. <laughs> you don't you don't know what the high feels like unless you felt the low. You felt know? the low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta. <laughs> Got to tear them down so we can build them back up. Yeah, that's right. Jesus. That's right. When's the building happen? Maybe maybe next season. Next season. <laughs> yeah, next, next season. Show when yeah. yeah when I'm you know, on. yeah. In in four years when we bring Bill back. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So. There you go. Cool, man. All yeah. right. Well, uh, how how do people get in touch with you if they? Uh, yeah, throw all that out there. Facebook is probably the best way. You know, I'm Bill Stiegel on Facebook. Um, I've got Instagram. I'm Phoenix Reptiles on Instagram. Uh, I do have a website, but uh, the contact information there isn't isn't real great. It's phoenixreptiles.net. I don't keep up with that website like I should. Uh, but really, Facebook. I'm, I'm on Facebook all the time, especially these days. So find okay. me and send me there. Awesome. It's awesome. great. Pleasure as always, <laughs> sir. Well, and uh, uh, Bill, uh, Northeast Carpet Fest is June 8th. Just letting you know. Bro, you know. I am booked. It's done. It's yes. a done deal. We've got, the, we've got the hotel and the airfare already set. So, yes. Kim and I will All right. be there. 
Awesome. Nice. I'm excited. Oh, I mean, God. it is the it is the you know the the OG garbage. You can't I mean, miss it. Gotta, yeah, it's, it's the go. Amateurs. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Not nice. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Man, All right, Bill. Great talking with you guys. I knew it would be. Definitely. Likewise. All right. Take care. We'll catch you soon. Cool. Dude, that hurt. Like, my stomach hurts. I was <laughs> laughing too hard for that. Yeah. <sighs> I'm I knew that done. Was really fun. We, always, we always have a blast with Bill. What a good guy. Uh, he is a good guy, for sure. I can't wait. Um, you know, and it's like, you, you, we're, we're, we're inching ever closer to Northeast Carpet Fest, and this is when I'm going to well, start getting excited about who's coming. Yeah, so. so I prepared, I started to prepare for Northeast Carpet Fest today. Mm. Um, which was brutal because mm. I had to go out back and Pick like eighty degree. It'd be only eighty degree day in like oh the week God. to do it. <laughs> Dude, I don't. I, I don't go out. <laughs> I don't go, go out outside. in the cold. All right. I don't. I don't go out in the cold. So my yard hasn't been. I haven't been in my yard since November, <laughs> and. I went out there and I'm like, what the hell happened? Like Dory was in charge of the yard and it's like, everything is just a mess. And I'm like, there's no way this can stand for carpet fest. So I'm out there um, pretty much hoeing, uh, raking, uh, any tool that you could use that uh, somehow involves the ground. And, you know, oh my God. I was like, man, I don't care what Owen says. We'll downsize and give out tickets next year. We cannot no. do it here. <laughs> Crap. All right. Well, I, I guess I better start doing stuff to my house now to get it ready. Uh, all right. No. But, no, in all seriousness, uh, no. I just I figured I'd get a, a, a jump on it because well, I, the reason is there's a reason. Because yeah. Rob's coming in. Uh, I think he's flying in Wednesday. So right. what I was trying to um, to do was he's never been to Reptiland. Um, oh, so I yeah, thought it would yeah. be cool to uh, head out there. So um, I think uh, I think maybe Thursday we'll do that. You know, I was thinking maybe Wednesday uh, we could. You know, I was talking to you about places we could go and herp and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, no. And then Rob went. Uh, Rob can you guys can come up and see my place if you're going to go to Reptiland. So oh, that's Rob. I mean, you're gonna. Rob's yeah. never seen your collection, right? Rob's never seen my collection. No, and I won't oh. let him see the rhinos. Like I will we, not. He's not even start, allowed to peer that way. Yeah. You better put him on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> you better put him on a diet now. I might as well. Nah. Just, I'm, no, he's just gonna be like, "We do. Where are the rhinos? I don't know what you're talking about." Like, yeah. Maybe I should. Uh-huh. Maybe I should buy some babies and switch them out. Baby rhinos and <laughs> swap them out. Yeah. I'll give you the babies. I'll, you I'll, I'll send my rhinos to you. After for like three months of, of the Eric Burke diet, they might be acceptable. So right. you know. Yeah. Too bad I can't follow that same diet for myself. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Um, it is, it is it's the horrible way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. I know Son this is wrong, 
but somehow. And, and, I, and I and I told a few people. I said I said I have to get my house ready because I swear to God, if I make Eric host Carpet Fest one more year, his wife will skin me. So you know, I'm, I'm oh, I might yeah. have to figure something out. Yeah. So I've told a few people that it has to be at my place or someone else's that we approve of. Um, yeah. I talked to Howard about it, and he says, well. For the 10th anniversary, we can just have it back at Howard's place. We're going to be like, look, this is what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Howard's house could take it. There's I know, no which way. is why it's funny. There's no <laughs> way, man. I mean, it looked crowded when there was 15 people there. There's just I no know. Way. It was just, I just <laughs> So. Yep. Uh, but anyway. But yeah, so we were getting, I was getting ready for Carpet Fest in, uh, in the hopes, because uh, it's right around the corner. And we got to get uh, cracking on a logo and all that kind of stuff. T-shirt. We got to get, uh, we'll start, I'll paste, I'll put a post up probably, I'll put a post up tomorrow saying that if you are coming, let us know what food you want to bring, what drink you want to bring, all that fun stuff. Because like we say, it is free to come to Carpet Fest, but we ask that you do bring something to either eat or drink that is fully prepared, that can feed a good group of people. Um so if you bring raw hamburger, um, you have to now cook the hamburger is what we're trying to convey to you people. So, you know, make sure it's prepared. Let us know if you need the grill or the oven. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just let us know. Why? Did we have a goes. problem with somebody last year not cooking? No, no. Or... But I oh. reiterate that because if I don't, we were doomed to repeat Carpet Fest year two where everyone stared at a grill and didn't know why the food wasn't being cooked. So I want to make sure that that never happens again. And, you know, it is the eighth carpet fest. I mean, come on. It is the eighth. Yeah. <laughs> getting up there, man. I'm we not gonna getting be, up there. I'm not going to be happy when we hit freaking double digits. What the hell are we going to do when it's like, hooray, it's the 10th anniversary of carpet fest. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> It'll be the tenth year of Carpet Fest and the tenth year of NPR. But we've again, I expected it, you know, <laughs> maybe three episodes and then it'll stop. And here we are. Sorry, I'm having a breakdown on air. <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. Yeah, you should probably do that after. We should close it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards. Um. Can't yeah. we be like GT? Why can't we be like GTP Keeper Radio, where they only have an episode every every five every quarter, <laughs> once a quarter? So they do. They do it with their taxes. Uh, they know how to do it. Right. They're not stupid. <laughs> We're they not keep it like us. <laughs> yeah. Every week they said do a podcast. They said well, every week. We, we were we were hanging out with Joe, Melissa, and Matt. They were like. Or, or even then, I think I heard um, on Reptile and Chill, they were like, "Ah, oh, it's our 25th episode. And they're like, yeah, you know, what, like, NPR guys, it's like, how the 25th episode, how long ago was that? And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, the 25th episode was like... I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. No, we're going like, to do this. <laughs> we're going to do this live on air. Hold on. No. One <laughs> sec. I'm pulling up the archives right now on the blog talk page. And uh, what episode is this one right now? Do we know that one offhand? So this is 392. Uh. (laughs) Oh my God, we're almost at 400. (laughs) Yeah. 
it. One, oh my two, god. Let's see, how, let's see how many are on a page. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Is that oh wait. Mm. Oh yeah. So there's a seventeen on a page. So what what are we looking for? Number twenty five? Number twenty five. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. The 25th episode. Wow. How about this? Somebody better Mm. play this. Um, The 25th episode was on February 25th, 2012. And it was Anthony Caponetto talks carpet pythons. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, how about that? Two, Damn, 2012. That's a good 25th episode. <laughs> so I, guess, I didn't even Damn. produce my first. Dude, I'm looking at this first page right here, right? This is yeah. the second page in our archive. Ready? Uh-huh. Wait, listen yeah. to this. So we got yeah. Greg Stevens, Don Patterson, yep. Brian yep. Barczyk, Sean yep. Heflick, yep. Jim Weatherall, oh, yeah. Philip yeah. Lamari. Talking Tannen Bars, yes. Dan Maleri, DM Exotics, Ari, Bones Pythons, um, Wayne Larks from Australia. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Josh Easter, it's, Sean Christian, it, Will Bird, Mike Curtin, Anthony Caponetto, Derek Roddy, Buddy Buscemi, Mark Spitaro, Andrew Wyatt, Howard Redding, and Rico Walder. That's, that was our lineup in 2012. If from, only we were a better show. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only we were better interviewers from back yeah. then. I mean, oh my God. That's a killer lineup, uh, that's man. A, that's a hell of a lineup. Jesus Christ. Then on the uh, the first page was Terry Phillip, Blake Bauer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I don't want to talk about No, 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 no. Pinnell, no. Michael All Pinnell. Right. Chris Rendell, nice. David Beans, nice. Blake Bauer again, yeah. Yeah. No. Noah McAdams, Jason Bailey, yeah. John Battaglia, mm-hmm. Justin Jewelander, Nick Mutton, Ben Marl, uh, yes. and Luke Snell. Man, you had Damn. a hell of a first season, man. Damn. That's like, that's like I don't know. I don't know what Damn. it's like. But it's, guys, go listen to the archive if you really want to check out some cool stuff. I mean, if if you listen to this Bill Stegall episode and you want to know about Green Tree Pythons, go listen to that Rico Walder one. I mean, oh yeah, come on, dear God. I often don't listen to the Blake Bauer. Never listen to that episode. Never. That is, I no, often I want that stricken from the archive. I often think about how lucky we are to have been mm-hmm. able to interview Rico. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean. That's like the who's who in Morelia, man. I mean, we we kind of kicked it that season, and we were <laughs> nobody. Why were they talking to us? It's like I had I had bred for two years, and you hadn't. I even didn't even breed yet. Carpet clutch. <laughs> I mean, my first clutch what the hatched. Hell? In, well, Mar- no, it hatched in May of 2012. I think it was. May. I had my yeah. first carpet clutch in 2010. Yeah. Crazy, crazy mm. stuff. Here we right, are, that's 2019. An- 
<laughs> enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough down memory lane. End the show, damn it. So, you know. All right. God. I have no idea what's going on for next week, but I Sweet. have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have some uh, people in the wings of things that we're working on. So there's that. Um, cool. You know, we were talking earlier to Riley, and I was. We got to. We probably. So I'm not really mm. a Colubrid guy. Oh, wait. I'm not really a Colubrid guy. But, We're um, gonna do this, yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. However, however, yeah. um, mm. you know how like you see so that that garter snake like mm-hmm. just blew me away, right? So mm-hmm. I was I was talking to you guys and I was telling Rob the same thing earlier. I was like, well, you know, you get the you get the jonesing for wanting to mm-hmm. get that animal, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. how do I get? how do I get it out of my system without buying that animal so I can stay focused on what I'm doing? And mm. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a book. <laughs> so I bought the book on garden snakes, which is actually a pretty cool book so far. Um, but it's, uh, it's like, you know, I, I start to read it and then it's sort of like, mm. you know, it sort of passes a little bit. And if it's still there, then maybe it's something that's meant to be like, you know, I say like that's it. a dangerous game because then you're going to read the book and sometimes you, it might just be more and more in your head after you're done, or it's like this is doable. I mean, right? I don't well, know, dude. Eventually, eventually, like what I would like to do is to set up not I'm not even breeding or anything like that, but it's like I was mm. trying to think of you know what I could put in that one room that I have that's sort of like it's like a display animal, but it kind of gets cold right. during the winter. And I was like, yeah. well, what the hell, man? Just put a colubrid in there. That, that'll that yeah. be fine. And I can have like a nice display cage and, you know, just have an animal in there chilling out. What yeah. I would love would be an indigo because ever since I was a kid, that was a species that I've always like, that was a, that was a pinnacle species for me when I was a kid. I don't know why. I just, I thought that they were just amazing. Maybe because you didn't see them anywhere, et cetera. Oh. Would you do Texas indigo or would you do Eastern indigo? Because Eastern indigo is going to get a little tricky for here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, they have to be gifted to you and yeah. uh, all that other fun shit that comes along with them. So, uh, I guess I have no option then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless, I mean, unless there's somebody but, out there in uh, NPR land that wants to gift me a uh, indigo. Careful, because I've talked about that. I've talked about shit on air, and then people have emailed me. It's like you know, don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't tempt those fates. Um, uh, how uh, pissed would you be if a, an indigo shows up on my door? No, are you week? kidding me? I'd, <laughs> I'd love that because then right. I can come and play with an indigo, but then I don't have to worry about fish and wildlife kicking down my door. Like, you know, right. no, I'm good. I'm fine with that. But then you also um, have what Riley works with is the Kribo, which is yes. sort of, you know, sort of in yeah. the same vein. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, Andrew has some unicolor Kribo, and they're really cool. Um, right. But I prefer the blacktail. Um, right. Blacktail Kribo. Uh, I have in my living room tank now, like, the biggest Texas rat snake I've ever had. And it's about the size of a Kribo. And it's chill when it's yeah. not looking at me. So, you know, <laughs> it's... I think the, like I think what I say in the chat, I'm like, the colubrid is the set it and forget it snake. You know, yeah. I've given it everything it needs. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> Later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't see that 
happening anytime soon. I just, you know, it's it's just how you do the shows and stuff like that. And you sort of, you you dream about, you know, I want to keep this species. I want to keep this species. You know? If you're gonna keep a if you're gonna keep a setup in that room, you should probably build the cases of animal plastics cages that you have just laying around. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, just yeah. Uh, Get on that first. They're still in the box. I, I know you, they I are. Wanted, I want them to sit there as long as it took for them to ship. So <laughs> we're almost there. <laughs> wow. That's so this is why I want to build my new cages. By the way, if anybody out there has any kind of uh, PVC boards, black, let me know. Email me. So, you know. <sighs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll get, uh, maybe we'll branch out into something like that. But anyway. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Yeah. If all of a sudden you see an Indigo show pop up, then you know why. <laughs> then, then I know you've done it. All right. Works for me. Yeah. Or or was thinking about doing it and didn't you know nobody wants to gift it to me so I have to uh, really <laughs> we have to go try to smooth <laughs> got it <sighs> anyway so long story short I don't know who's going to be on the show next week yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we went into that but anyway uh, yeah the website is um, slowly but surely coming along um, I'm hoping to launch that maybe by the beginning of next month, maybe mid next month, something like that, but, uh, should be cool. Um, and like Owen hinted at a little bit, trying to move the archives over to that so that, uh, you know, it's somewhere else besides blog talk. And we're slowly transitioning over to, uh, you know, doing it and just uploading it to blog talk, but it's trying to mess around with the equipment and such. So, um, so for now, you can check out our website at moreliapythonradio.com and our email is info at moreliapythonradio.com. If you have any questions, comments, you can follow us on Facebook, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and whatever podcast app you so choose to use, you can find our show. Uh, okay. For me, and just go there and you'll find everything else. Works. <laughs> Short, sweet. I love it. Um, yeah. What you can go, what you can do for me is go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, I'm preparing a pretty big post of all the clutches that we have thus far. Our second one just hit the ground for 2019, and it was a caramel het exanic bred to a het exanic. So we'll see what comes out of that one. Um, as far as shows go, I will be attending the 420 Oaks show in oaks pennsylvania um and uh the hamburg show that i think is the weekend after um i won't be vending these shows but i'll be there so if you do want an animal delivered please contact me we can make that happen as well and weather is looking fantastic here in pennsylvania so uh shipping is totally back on if you want an animal uh let me know we can calculate a shipping quote i I'm probably going to take pictures of all the animals that we have for sale uh, in the next couple days when I get around to it. Uh, other things, you can go to Facebook.com, look up Rogue Reptiles. Uh, you can get and follow us over there. Also, you can go to my Instagram, which is my last name, McIntyre OJ. Uh, you can follow over there, mostly snakes and my dog. So definitely <laughs> give it a like over there. And uh, yeah, that's 
that's about it. So uh, we'll say thank you all for listening, and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.